0: welcome to the televerse the podcast just for tv because it's great we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see you're also in kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen comedy genre reality drama and anything that's in between welcome to the televerse Let's the show. hello and welcome to the televerse this is kate calls joined is ever by noel kirkpatrick noel how's it going this week
1: uh this week's been okay um i'm really sleepy today because my cat decided to be a cat last night
0: your cat say you d- you don't need sleep
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like oh hey i like to sleep but you don't need to sleep She's just like oh <laughs> i see how that is well payback's a bitch cat hey. you're not gonna get to sleep ever again <laughs> no she'll get plenty of sleep um yeah so i'm kind of sleepy today but how are you this week how, how was your week
0: my week was pretty good uh pretty good coming on down off of spring break so like Body shots. (laughs) So, so.
1: Databasing. uh,
0: Theoretically. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, my goodness.
1: Mail merging.
0: (laughs) uh, There's just, there's so much, there's so much work to do in like the next month. Right. And they, I have, I have some hard deadlines, but I have like a lot of things that will take a lot more time than that, you know? So just Mm -hmm. trying to. Schedule things and 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 that is also there's so much TV. No, yeah, there's there's so much. I'm like behind. And there's on so much like eight starting next.
1: Starting next week, there's so much starting next week.
0: There's even more <laughs> starting. Next- you don't even watch The Leftovers, which is coming back this no. week. No, no. I'm very excited about it. Um, of course Veep is coming back. I'll be covering that over at the AV Club. Um, trying to write about like fictional politics was pretty it's been challenging this week because there's also been a lot of politics politics yeah so yeah. it's been an interesting week um so yeah that's it's, it's been interesting i guess uh in the tv world we've had some some fun news i know a lot of people are very excited about Mr. science theater 3000 coming back the new version of it uh i haven't seen any of that yet noel are you a misty person
1: i think it's fine Okay. I say with, like, an up-question voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's fine. It's funny. Um, it's just never been particularly my bag in yeah. any real way. I, I, I can appreciate it, and I think some episodes are pretty funny. But it's never been, like, a thing that I've latched onto, which I think is kind of weird for people my age, is that it's kind of a defining thing of watching that on Comedy Central and it was never my thing. What about you? Is like are you were you excited about this revival and like what's your history with it?
0: I'm excited for people who are excited.
1: Okay. Okay. Which
0: is I know there are so many people who love it dearly, and right. I didn't have cable like, growing up. Sure. So sure. like I, I had cable in like high school, like I think eighth grade, yeah. we got cable. So that's when I discovered like so much comedy, comedy specials, especially in old school. They were at that time, they were playing Comedy Central would play like old school seventies SNL. Right. Yes. Which was yeah. terrific. Um yeah. but I never was I certainly wasn't up super late. So I was never catching mystery science theater. Um, I've seen a, a handful of them and really enjoyed most of the ones that I've seen. But for me, it's very hit and miss. Um, yeah. And it's some, something that I go back to is something that um a friend of mine said in college at one point, which is there are so many great movies I haven't seen before I watch the bad movies. I haven't seen. I feel like I should watch the great movies. I haven't seen. Um, yeah. So even though I know the whole, like it's a very it's a very different experience doing Mister Science Theater uh, three thousand Mister Science Theater three thousand thing and I have gone to see like live like what did they call it for a while there when it was like some of the same people but they couldn't call it Mr. right Th-
1: uh, uh, Rift tracks Rift tracks.
0: tracks yeah I went to like a live um lost law, uh, no not what was it Plan Nine Plan Nine from Outer Space. Uh, yeah. obviously I've seen *Manus: the hands of fate and some of these other ones, sure. Staples yeah. uh, very much enjoy, what is it? Uh, Santa Claus versus the Martians. Yeah. Uh, that's really good. Yeah. But, but no, I, I don't have a particularly personal connection to it. So mostly mm-hmm. I've been enjoying everybody else's like
1: right. enthusiasm over it. Exactly how I respond to people being excited about the Americans.
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um we
0: also had should I go with the positive or the negative news next?
1: Let's go with the negative news. Okay.
0: So yeah. I guess this isn't negative depending on who well, you are. But yeah, but But Bake Off uh, just put out their first promotional picture for the new version, the abomination, like channel four version. And just just no, guys. Just no. No.
1: No. Uh, I I mean I'm not I, I admit that I'm not familiar with two of them. I'm familiar with uh, Fielding mm-hmm. um, from IT, and but I was never a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And so th- the entire thing, I'm just looking at and going, that eh, doesn't look right at all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that looks like an alt universe. Just kind right, of wrong, and like, it
1: looks it looks like bad Photoshop too. Yeah. Is the other thing. So it's really weird. Yeah, don't
0: try <laughs> to be exactly the same thing because you can't be exactly the same thing. It's very strange. Um, So, yes, we're not excited about that. I was, though, very much enjoying some of the stuff I was seeing with, uh, like, apparently Ruby called, uh, who people will remember as one of the younger bakers. She was the baker who was doing all of her, like, finals and A-levels and stuff. Right,
1: right. She had her philosophy finals and had serious bouts of self-confidence the entire time and then was in the third place, which I'm still convinced was all strategy. (laughs) Anyway, continue. She she (laughs) called
0: Paul Hollywood a sentient ham. (laughs) So, like, they oh, asked, God, if she, so, asked if she. I think somebody asked watched or something like that. <laughs> or yeah, when when he decided to stay with the show, uh, uh-huh. yeah, she was. Yeah, they 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 are they do not have a fond relationship, um, because uh, of comments when she came out on Twitter, um, mm-hmm. she made some comment about, haha, all you people thought I was like flirting with uh with Tom, uh, with with Paul. I mean, jokes on you. And then he responded like. Congratulations. I don't know why you felt like you had to drag me into it, though. Like, my family sees this. It's like,
1: seriously? Your family also sees wow. you in a full motorcycle tracksuit, dude. That's, that ship has sailed yeah, on sh- being she- worried about being embarrassed. She
0: called him a preening man-child. <laughs> it was pretty fabulous. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Anyway, so... Oh.
1: So, i knew i loved her
0: yeah that, that was my exact response that was like my exact tweet so that was like a little uh, fun side of of the bake-off stuff this week i'm sure people out there there are people out there who will watch the new bake-off and will enjoy the new bake-off that's fine you know domini domini have fun i'm gonna just not instead i'm gonna be excited about steven universe finally getting a soundtrack
1: Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, digital, right? Digital? Or are they doing a physical release? Dude? You know what?
0: I don't remember. I just saw yeah. Steven Universe is getting a soundtrack, and my just eyes turned into heart emojis. And so sure. then I just stopped reading. But yes, yeah. Yeah. Very excited.
1: No, it's very exciting, and a good way to support the show as well, since um, yeah. I don't really buy any other merchandising. But I will buy this and mm-hmm. listen to it constantly.
0: Yay. Very nice. Yay. To meet. We also heard from Brandy. Thank you, Brandy.
1: After- after we kind of shamed her
0: <laughs> there was there might and- have been some light badgering yes <laughs> yes um so brandy wrote in uh with the thoughts about monal so i'm going to read the email here and we can we're going to talk a bit about monal uh listeners uh, at the end of the show we'll be talking 13 reasons why um so that'll be coming at the end of the of the, of the-, the show season spotlight dvd shelf what are we calling this is are they seriously going to do a season 2
1: oh, god i hope they don't do a season 2 um but Let's 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 call it a season spotlight.
0: Yeah, so we'll call it yeah. that for now. Because
1: I don't think Netflix has really canceled anything after a season. Before, I don't think. No. Yeah. No, they haven't. Anyway, so
0: Anyways, you know. so, uh, so if anyway. you are not a Supergirl or Monel person, the rest of the conversation will be about that. Feel free to skip ahead. But we have uh, Brandy's thoughts and our own thoughts to to discuss here about Monel. Yeah. She says I have several issues with Monel. Uh, I knew he was the prince from the first couple episodes where we we met him. Him lying was never my main objection. I don't necessarily love it, uh, but I understand wanting a fresh start. uh, But I do have a problem with him still lying by the time he got deep into a relationship with Kara. Though I'm not sure he wants a fresh start by the way he treats women around him, such as Eve Tesmacher. Uh, I think my biggest problem with Manel is his lack of respect for Kara. It was this that got me frustrated week after week. In episode uh, 14 of season two, homecoming, Kara asks Manel to keep their relationship private for now. But the next scene, when they enter the D.E.O., he decides to ignore that and tell everyone. I do honestly think he cares for Kara, but everything is centered around him in his world. Um, in the episode, in episode 13, you know, right before that, Mr. and Mrs. Ms., Ms., Ms. um he says, "Yeah, uh, things were a lot easier in Daxon when I objectified women and didn't care about anyone." <laughs> I get that he understands that won't we'll work on Earth, but I don't think the show really shows much <laughs> growth. In the episode star Cross," Kara finally learns the truth of Monal. She didn't find out by him finally coming clean, but his parents showing up. At the end of the episode, we have Kara standing up for herself and saying she deserves better. She does deserve better. And we were all proud of her for realizing it. But of course, in the flash, she decides to take him back, even though nothing has really changed. I feel like between the lying and his disrespecting her all season, he isn't a good guy. He is a disrespectful guy that needs to adjust to Earth and grow as a person. I feel like they have devoted too much time to Kara and Manel instead of just Kara Danvers. It's not, it's not to say I don't want her in a relationship, but it has, it has become too much. It seemed like they were really going to explore Kara Danvers, the reporter, this season, but except for a few scenes, it was pretty much ignored. I also have a problem with what uh, this tells its younger viewers, the show's younger viewers, especially girls that are watching this. Manel lied to Kara most of the season, and when he isn't lying, he's disrespecting her. But yet she still decides she loves him. Yes, I get they're both aliens, but what else do they have in common? They really are totally different people. I think him and the whole storyline is problematic. I also have a problem with the amount of time we have devoted to Manel over the other characters. I was excited when I heard Ian Gomez was cast in, on the show Snapper Car, but they barely use him this season. Also, they gave James the Guardian storyline only because they couldn't figure out what else to do with him.
1: And they still haven't. Yeah. Sorry.
0: <laughs> I could ramble on a lot more about how Alex doesn't acknowledge Monel as a jerk to Kara, but I'll leave that for another
1: time. <laughs> so, She's promising us another email. <laughs> I, sure.
0: Sure. That's. I'm. But we're not we're not gonna badger you into another email. No. If you want to send one, we want to read it though. But so thank yeah. you, Brandy, for writing in. Um, there's you know a couple other things, but uh, she says thanks for a great podcast. Um, we think we really appreciate um you listening, Brandy, and and writing in. Um, so I agree with pretty much all of that. Right. Um. And certainly the element of the messaging towards younger girls because the show has really prioritized that I think is is a significant one.
1: No, I absolutely agree in part because I mean I just keep flashing back to how they promoted the show in the first season mm-hmm. where it's just like here's Benoist with Girl Scouts in her supergirl outfit and that kind of a thing and it's just like Wow, okay, we're we're doing this. I'm excited about this. Mm-hmm. And but then like this sort of a thing with Monel is a really good example of how you don't exactly do that very yeah. well. And the uh, undermine it, even though I acknowledge like it's two different promotional uh departments at this point now. And so one hand, not another, but that kind of a thing I think is it it, it still matters because it's yeah. still interwoven within our understanding of the text of the show. Even if it's from a different network, it's still part of the show. Um, And I I think that's a really good point that Brandy makes about it.
0: Yeah. I also, uh, I got to say, I'm really frustrated with this. And this will come back in some of our discussion about 13 Reasons Why um, at the end of the show. But I'm also really over the, but I love you as a reason for doing shitty things. And the way that that gets accepted at face value on most shows and most storytelling it's like oh okay well see but you know he loves her so so what so that, does, that doesn't change anything if anything that should make you want to respect and care for this person more and and listen to them and value them more not just say it feels good because we're in a relationship because i love you and so i don't want to endanger that so i will disrespect you more and more like okay So you say that you love this person. That doesn't change what your behavior is and what it has meant. Um, So, yeah, I that certainly that as a reason and an excuse for some of the behavior, I think, is is a problem. And I guess maybe the difference is um, how do you feel about do you feel like the show is agreeing with Kara about her relationship, like is endorsing it and is like behind it? Or do you think the show thinks it's not necessarily the best relationship for her?
1: I think the show is, I, I definitely don't think that the show is on that side of that equation. I don't think that they think it's a bad thing. Okay. Um, uh, to the degree of which they haven't given Kara a great deal of introspection about it. She mm-hmm. keeps, and this Brandy mentions this with like the Flash musical episode where it's just like very quickly she goes, oh, well, I didn't think about it from his perspective as mm-hmm. the rationale for being okay with all of this yeah. and summing it up with, I'll just drop a mountain on you. <laughs> and it's cute. But at the same time, it like feeds into this easy kind of out type of thing, uh, which again, like when this happened dramatically, I just went, well, this is because we need to set up mommy and daddy mm-hmm. and make sure that they're all like on the same side when mommy and daddy show back up. Yeah. And so I don't think that the show thinks it's bad, but I, whether or not they think it's good, I don't think that they have an opinion. Okay. either yeah. um insofar as again they just haven't devoted space to what carter thinks about it in a lot of ways as opposed to just kind of rolling with his behavior and i think that's where it ends up being is like she doesn't respond to his behavior in a way and he doesn't respond to her either mm-hmm. and th- i think that that is where it all falls is like they the show doesn't think it's bad but they definitely don't have an opinion that it's whether or not it's good, I think is where I fall on it. How do you? I'm like rambling because again, <laughs> tired. How how do you feel the show feels about the, that relationship?
0: I think uh, I think you're right. I don't. They don't. They're not showing it as a negative thing, um, but they also. I don't know that they're necessarily like leading the the ship. You know, into into port right. either. Yeah. Um, well,
1: I mean, he 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 puts on an apron and makes breakfast foods, which is nice, mm-hmm. but. Anyone can do that.
0: Well, and you, know, you <laughs> brought up a good point that she, Kara goes, oh, I hadn't thought about it from his perspective. Do we ever see him saying, I hadn't thought about it from Kara's perspective?
1: He does it after the fact. <laughs> Some of the time. Some of the time. I times. think.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: I think he, he realizes he's made a mistake, but then, like Brandy points out, it's like the behavior just kind of repeats. And it becomes about him or whatever it is. And the overall arc of the season becoming about Daxum returning. <laughs> Makes it about him. I think it's a very
0: immature relationship. Yeah, and um, we get that I think from both characters. Yes, and, and the idea of like what do they actually have in common? I mean, they they get along. They like each other. Like she thinks he's funny, and and she sees the potential of who he could be. I think she's yeah. dating who he could be more than she's dating him. Yeah, and um, and yeah. So so I I th- I feel like um. Like if you look at Alex and Maggie for example, that's a much more mature relationship. They're actually talking about some serious issues that they have in their like especially with um Al- uh, Maggie's trauma about coming out and and some of the like the little fights we've seen in their in the power dynamics in their relationship, that just seems much more examined. We haven't gotten nearly enough of it, I would say. But what I agree. we have got gotten I think has been much more thoughtful. Um so it would be nice to see them do I don't, I don't anticipate any of this in season 2, but it would be nice to see right. more exploration.
1: Yeah, and I think your point about immaturity is a really good one because we I, I, the implication is, is that Kara really hasn't dated a whole lot. Yeah. And I think that, that kind of a in, that kind of immature sort of relationship is wouldn't be uncommon at all. Um but It feels like a way for the show to do that without her necessarily having to hurt someone because she doesn't know exactly what to do, Mm -hmm. because he also doesn't know what to do. But I don't I also don't think that the show's put that much thought into that aspect of it.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. And um, as far as as, like juggling storylines, 100 percent agree. They (sighs) haven't done anything with James. Well, and it's like it's like they realized, oh, there's no chemistry here. We got to break this up and do something different. For Kara and James, uh, which I'm glad they did because they're really, like, for two actors who have so much chemistry, they have no chemistry together. Yeah. Um, So that was a good move, but then they've responded by doing nothing else. Just, like, turning everybody into an action hero isn't a creative solution. So um, with, you know, with, with Lana being a series regular next season... Um, and I mean, hopefully Calissa Flockhart, you know, Kat will show back up and like kind of shake her, you know,
1: she, she, they did confirm that she's back for the finale.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, there, so we've heard of there being more characters next season, not fewer, which is a bit of like a, how are they going to actually fix any of these issues if they have less time per character than yeah. they currently do? Um, I'm not sure how that will go, but I don't know. I would like to think that, they're bringing Kat back for a distinct purpose. And that, whether that involves, I mean, sure it will involve Car, but hopefully James too, because he's just been running her company off screen. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, who knows? But yeah, and I also agree. I also really enjoy Ian Gomez. So I was disappointed when we've seen so little of Snapper.
1: Yeah, I was too. But I, the preview makes me think he's coming back this week in a big way. And, but uh, I'll believe it when I see it.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Any final thoughts on Monel?
1: No, no, I think that was great. And thank you again, Brandy. And we're sorry we badgered you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not like that sorry. I'm a little sorry. I'm like mon levels of sorry right now.
1: Oh, so next week she'll be like, Hey everyone <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, um anyways, um if you wanna write in listeners the dot com, we love hearing from you. Let us know what you're thinking about Monel and Supergirl or just anything. And uh yeah, we, we always appreciate hearing from listeners. But we need to get to a it's still a decent looking TV. Yeah. Even though I haven't seen like anything because I was yeah. just downloading into my brain uh, the 13 Reasons Why is mainlining 13 Reasons Why. But there's still a lot of TV to talk about. So we're going to take a break and come back with our week in comedy and genre. Summer after high school when we first met. That was The One That Got Away uh, by Katy Perry from an entertaining episode of iZombie. We'll be getting to that in a little bit. But first up, in our Waking Comedy and Genre, I'm going to preview Veep Season 6 just a little bit. Um, We'll talk the season premiere of Angie Tribeca, Welcome Back, Blotter. Then we have The Return of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Audit, uh, The Detour, The Dilemma, Samurai Jack, uh, forty five, and then we'll round things out with I Zombie. Zombie knows best. So first up, I just wanted to say a few a uh, few things about Veep, which has its season premiere this Sunday. Um, my main th- I'm gonna have my review up at the AV Club, which should go live right after the episode airs. Um, the main thing for me, and there are three episodes that have been available to critics. I've only watched the first one. I don't like to watch ahead of what I'm reviewing. Um, so I, you know, I this may shift as I watch more episodes. I will say um, I was a little surprised to see such overwhelmingly glowing reviews of the new season. So maybe critics who've seen second and third episode of the season know things that I don't from just watching the first episode, but I thought the first, it was kind of a weak start to the season as far as I'm concerned. And, um, it's still it's still a bunch of really talented, really funny people with a bunch of characters that they know really well, playing a bunch of characters that they know really well. But so far, it's just it's very listless and sort of aimless, which mirrors what the characters, especially Selena, are experiencing, you know, a year after Selena lost <laughs> her re-election campaign to, to be elected president for the first time. Um but it, it, I didn't think it was that funny. Um, I, th- I just I thought the some of the dialogue was really awkward. Um, some exposition is handled really well. Some exposition is really not handled well at all. It's very um, ham handed, I guess, uh, the way that it's kind of forced into exchanges to say, like, what the various characters have been doing for the past year. Um, so that was a little disappointing. Where we find each of the different characters, I think, uh, on the whole works works very well. And we get some nice, um, there's some nice surprises, I guess, by the end of the first episode. But the trouble is, another trouble I'm having with it is, some of the funniest elements of the premiere are things that, like, fall apart if you start examining them too much. Like, why would this character be, you know, interacting with or working for that character? It doesn't really make sense. And why is, like, I don't think this character could get away with this thing that they're doing. I don't really buy it. Um, so so that's a bit of a problem as well. On Veep, I want to think about it more and laugh more, not think about it more and have question marks over my head. Um, also, some of the, the performances are just much broader in this premiere and if that's a choice to show how this group of people when they're working together like they're their own unit and it like it kind of they make sense together but in the diffused into the real world like not all in the same team they don't work as well and they just seem more cartoonish that 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 could be an interesting point to make um but i think it you know, or maybe it's responding to a year out from such a huge, like, loss. And, and, like, for all these characters, their political careers are significantly hurt by having a loss like this. Um, there's some elements of, like, is that an intentional thing? Or are they just playing things broader? I'm not sure. So that'll be something where I have to watch a few more to get a stronger sense. But it was a little surprising. And elements have worked really nicely and elements of it I'm not so sold on. The main thing is... Listeners do not go into this premiere expecting Veep to respond to the election in 2016 because they don't. As far as I can tell, it's not reflected in any meaningful way in the premiere as far as like who actually won the election, like Laura Montez, who is the, um, the, the woman who is elected in, you know, instead who beats Selena in the season five premiere, she's president. Um, and, there's nothing about scandal. There's nothing about anything other than just politics as usual. And so like they chose, like, they're like, okay, are we going to respond to the Trump stuff? Are we going to respond to like even greater partisan divide than ever? The country being so split. And they're like, "Mm, let's steer clear, clear of that and just do comedy. And I understand that impulse, but I think it, it just defangs Veep in such a significant way. It's, it's just kind of disappointing. So I don't know how they necessarily could have done that with without alienating significant, maybe chunks of their audience or maybe that was the concern. But unlike The Good Wife, with, which drew greater strength from greater political relevance and really trying to speak to a feat, like moment. staying true to the character, but speak to the moment. Yeah, like you're saying, this feels like it's trying to sidestep that and it just how do you do that with a political satire? I don't really know.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a really weird conundrum for the show to be in. But I mean, they exist in like a like an not an alternate, alternate timeline.
0: State. Like it branches off at a certain point. Yeah,
1: right. So, but I mean, it's uh, it doesn't seem I don't and I don't know these care. I don't know like the woman who beats Selena at all. Like, is there any room for like that kind of a satirization through that character? Or
0: we don't know her very well at all. Okay, And and as of season five, unless I'm forgetting some significant things, but mostly she did not like there was some manipulations to have her be sort of a surprise winner um, right. by, by some other underappreciated political players at the end of last season. Um, So okay. if they had wanted to do something, they probably could have. There was space to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But the instead they didn't want to, I think they, they had planned out what they wanted to do for at least the start of season six as they finished season five. And they—it mm-hmm. seems like they mostly hewed close closer to that. I know that there was an interview. The the AV Club had a mentioned this um, in an article uh, in the last week or so about how there was like a Golden Showers joke that they were that they had written in that they were like, oh no, we better change that. We don't want anybody to make any connections that we're not intending. Hmm. And that's the kind of thing where I was like, wait, so you're you're changing jokes to make it less politically relevant?
1: Yeah, that seems a little weird for a political, like you said, that seems a little weird for a political satirization show.
0: Yeah, and if it's not going to be a political satire, if it's just going to be a character about terrible people with too much power, then um, there's a lot of those already. Yeah. So, we'll see. Uh, Last season, it's the same as Showrunners last season, and season five was terrific. Um, And so there's a lot, I think... You know, there's no reason to think that they, this season couldn't be just as strong as the rest of the show has been. It's been a remarkably consistent series. Um, it just, I was a little underwhelmed by the premiere. Hopefully, like I said, other critics who've seen all three seem to be much more positive than I am on this first one. So hopefully, okay. they know stuff I don't. Fingers crossed.
1: <laughs> Fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> um, well, we have another premiere to talk about, and that's Angie Tribeca, Welcome Back, Blotter. We were cooler on season two than most everybody else. Noel. Yes. Uh, what did you think of this premiere? And is it Return to Form, or is it more of the same?
1: I feel very much like this is a Return to Form. I really, really enjoyed Welcome Back, Blotter a whole, whole lot. Um, just from the, the, the extended potential hunt for a serial killer who t- hunts tro- trophy hunters to mm-hmm. take their clothes, to give them to animals so that the animals can blend in to the human, human species is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And to like do it all is like a silence of the lambs riff, including Chris Pine as a Hannibal Lecter type. So good. Is so good. Like yes. it's Chris it's Pine's hilarious in this. Der- He's so funny. He's like deliriously funny in it. And it's a good reminder of like the fact that Star Trek has kind of underused his comedic sensibilities. And now based on like trailers for Wonder Woman, I'm hoping that like they realized what they had in him as like a comedic actor and like played that up. Uh, But we'll, we'll see when Wonder Woman comes out, but this is really, really good. It's really funny. I like the whole helicopter thing with the microphone inside the headphones inside the house is really, really funny. Um, and then there's also, gosh, what also just like killed me? I forget what killed me.: um,
0: We got Hoffman again.:
1: We got Hoffman again, which is nice. I've missed Hoffman. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, no, it was, honestly, it was it was the, it was the captain's date <laughs> And her, go, her calling her, her calling someone and going, "I think I found the one," and it's just like, he's, he's just yelling at you. <laughs> like you're a cop. This is terrible, but it's also just really funny in terms of just how it's presented and how it's played out. Uh, But no, it's it's I I was laughing a whole, whole lot Um, just from like easy jokes like spare change and um, Ombudsman's characters grabbing the grabbing the cup, pouring it all into his pocket and then tossing the um, tossing the cup. It's just it's really good stuff. How did you feel about it?
0: Yeah, no, it was super fun. I mean, I always enjoyed Timothy Emerson, so I thought he was very well cast in this role at nice to, to just see the silliness. There's like yeah. sheer ridiculous silliness of the show, um, fully embraced again. And like, just like the opening of she's retiring to spend time with her child, whose name she kind of can't remember and how old he is. Um, and then immediately has to come back. Cause mother, you know, motherhood is not for everyone.
1: Right. Um, we send him off to boarding school. We're hoping he gets in. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And certainly, uh, I think a a more promising use of the show. I mean, certainly, Chris Pine is a much better foil for Rashida Jones than than James Franco was. It's like not even a little close. Yeah. um like, like when he escorts her back out <laughs> it was
1: delightful there are a lot of psychos in here yeah. and whatever you do you do not engage him about game of thrones
0: <laughs> just say you haven't seen it yet yeah yeah no, it's good stuff good stuff so yeah i'm certainly looking oh. forward to more of that
1: i remember the joke do we have do we have anyone inside the animal rights movement we had a mole but they found him and set him free <laughs> i could I, I i died kate i died yeah. Oh, no, the the pun, the punning's so good in this episode. I can't deal. It's very deal. good.
0: It's very it's very
1: good. It's very good.
0: Um okay, what about Brooklyn 99 and The Audit?
1: We have a not dead Chelsea Peretti. So Gina's back. Gina's back, which which was nice because <laughs> I like how they just kind of went, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we did that and I I feel like they just did that and then yeah. they're just like, "Well, we'll see how this goes." <laughs> and the end result is a is a Gina who thinks she's stronger but is not. Uh, but no, I really liked the audit. I thought it was a really funny episode across the board. Um, I enjoyed the stuff with the nine nine trying to clean itself up. I did not appreciate the joke of Boyle's cat suit until the end when it all clicked <laughs> into place. I didn't get yeah. it until the end, and I just went, "Oh, that's really funny. It's deeply <laughs> funny." But mostly, I enjoyed Jake and Amy trying to get boring guy. Mm -hmm. to be okay with the 9-9 and then their, like, fight about actual things. But the resolution of their fight about actual things I thought was, again, very Jake and Amy. Mm -hmm. And I really like how their relationship keeps engaging with the fact that they maybe shouldn't necessarily get along, but they find ways to understand one another and accept one another to the point where I legitimately do believe that Amy thinks William Atherton is the second best is the second best diehard villain, mm-hmm. even though it is really Jeremy Irons. But I can, I, but, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like that that connection is that connection works and they're responding to one another in that way. And that's why their relationship works is that they engage one another. Where the reason that they fall apart is where Amy and boring guy, whose name I can't even remember. Which is perfect. Which is perfect, is Teddy. It's Teddy, mm-hmm. I think. I'm going to say it's Teddy. Um, fall apart is that there's just no engagement whatsoever on either part and I think that's really I think that's really significant um so how did you feel about it
0: yeah no I agree with everything you said uh I loved the <laughs> Japanese uh printer or uh photocopier and and holds like seeming under like intuitive understanding of it mm-hmm. was also delightful but in like a in a in a because like, Holt has been very Ron Swansoned. They've gone yeah. too far with the character. They've broken the character to a certain extent, but Andre Brower is so good. We'll let them get away with it. This felt right. more like an appropriate thing for the character to just into and to be able to get without it, him being overly heightened or it breaking with who he has been established as a character. So I thought that worked really well. Um, I- <laughs> we actually got to see a jazz brunch. And I love <laughs> that she was scatting about brunch <laughs> which was delightful. Um, unlike on, of course, Speechless when we got mention of but no actual visual that's where information. That, that's where that
1: was from. I was trying yes. to remember where Jazz Brunch was from last week and that's that's exactly where it was from. Well
0: and of course on, on Girls, uh, Noel, Marnie has played at least at least one Jazz Brunch mm-hmm. um in the previous seasons. So that tells okay. you everything you need to know about Jazz Brunch. So
1: I still want to go to one. <laughs>
0: But no, I thought so it was love, a lot of fun. I
1: love brunch and I love jazz.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts on Brooklyn Nine Nine? Glad to have it back.
1: I'm so glad to have it back. I, I there was a there was a nine nine shaped hole in my heart, mm-hmm. and it has been filled again, and I'm very happy.
0: Yeah. Well, what about <laughs> the detour and the the dilemma and the the reveal that we all should have seen coming?
1: Right. <laughs> like, we should have instantly. <laughs> right. And I, I remember, I, I everyone listeners, I told Kate the reveal from the previous episode before Mm -hmm. she had seen it. And she just, she made a face of like, Oh, of course is basically what her face was. And I think there was even like a forehead. Like, yeah, there was a, there was
0: a face palm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There was a face palm, but no, James Cromwell is, um, Robin's Robin. Yeah. Robin's dad. And everyone just collectively went, Oh, right. That does make sense. But I, I, I still liked it. I thought it was, uh, James Cromwell is. Uh, I I still feel weird saying he's an underrated comedic presence mm-hmm. at this stage in his career, but I still feel like he's somewhat of an underrated comedic presence. But he's really funny in this in a very dry sort of way, and I I think that the interplay again between um, Robin and Cromwell's character is really good. And digging up all this stuff um, is really interesting. Uh, even if I don't necessarily care still about USPAS in any upis or uspice in any way shape or form it's run its course basically and i needed to go away but countered that i loved the whole thing with um uh nate trying to figure it all out <laughs> and just getting totally failing. and totally failing even though we're constantly being told he's really sharp and he's just like four beers and eight shots later a keg later and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And it's just, it's very good. It's very funny. And Jason Jones is really good in these scenes, Mm -hmm. but, and I've returned to this point again and again with this detour, especially this season is that I really like that their relationship remains core to everything. So like their whole thing with the tour bus as a way to get home is a really funny, Mm -hmm. but B I like the fact that he's just that they don't manage to work out a threesome. Mm Mm-hmm even though he's golf hot and that's the yeah. best description of Jason Jones I have ever heard is golf hot but no it's just they they have such great chemistry that these kind of things just really work really well so i really liked it i'm I, i'm not sure about him that uh, kidnapping the kids, mm-hmm. but I guess we'll see how this goes. I I kind of I've decided I miss the road trip aspect of the show, yeah. a lot. Um, and they haven't engaged New York as much as I thought they were going to do in a lot of ways after mm-hmm. like the fourth episode or so, as Usbis took over in a lot of ways. But I'm hoping like next season, uh, if there's a next season, I can't remember if it's been renewed or not. That there's a again some sort of travelogue aspect to the show. Um, how did you feel about this?
0: Um. Yeah, I liked it. I liked how totally weird the talent show performance Ooh. was. It was deliciously very weird. Um. Yeah, that was very appropriate, um, uh, for the characters. And I, I, I agree. Having we don't. I don't need them to be on a road trip, but having like the standalone story after standalone story, that structure really, really helped the show. And having them keep return to like having it be a much more straightforward returning to the same space and. They're just in their regular day to day lives, kind of element is less successful. I think yeah. the the more zany heightened adventures, like this are forgetting with Ospis, for example, doesn't work as well for me contrasted with their daily lives as it would in the context of ridiculous like conspiracy to poison all of America with this product, like the, the, the sort of lead up we got in, in season one. So, uh, yeah, I would like to see some tweaking of that, but like you, I, like you, I really agree that the, the relationship being so core and you never doubt it for a second. Right. That's so important to the show.
1: No, you never do. Like, I, even when they're like seemingly sort of on the ropes with one another, as they were like with the extended flashback arc, mm-hmm. I guess we can call it is you, you, you can see, especially like Jones and Z do a really nice job of making that feel really believable and grounded, despite how kind of zany and weird this show can be. Mm-hmm. And that helps the show immensely. So I, it's just, yeah, it, their relationship feels so comfortable and so lived in both from the writing, but also from the performances that I, j- I just, I it keeps everything from floating off. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, you said floating off and we have Samurai Jack where they start by falling into an abyss. <laughs> I feel like that's about as good a transition as I'm going to get. So I'm going I with it. I
1: planned it that way.
0: Totally. Wink. Wink, wink. i am no, not saying no more. Uh, um, so Samurai Jack uh, episode 45. Um, I feel like I've run out of things to say about Samurai Jack. Because I just keep saying it's really beautiful, and I love the 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 stuff that we're getting psychologically with Jack, and the the animation is fabulous, and the voice performances are so good. I don't have anything new to say other than I
1: still love Samurai Jack, right? And I don't disagree with any of that. And mm-hmm. we may need to like start stop discussing the show for week like to week. A, week yeah. two, a week or a week or week to week since we just be repeating ourselves. The one thing I will really want to say about this episode, though is the feeling of this as a Samurai Jack episode, like a standalone adventure type of episode. And I thought that was really significant considering how connected everything had been up to this point in a lot of ways, that this episode, because of its kind of fantastical nature, felt very connected to a lot of similar types of episodes. Like this, which I like the fact that Jack acknowledged insofar as, oh, it's simple. I just use the floaty animals to get up to the hole. And mm-hmm. it's just like, I've been here, done this, 50 years old now. I know how I know how this game is played. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that aspect of it, even if it's like underplayed, but it's a nice sort of callback to the show's kind of weirder animation sense uh, setting sensibilities because this whole worm thing is like a world unto itself. And I think the big thing apart from that thematically that I really liked about this episode is that Ashi doesn't respond to any of the crazy things inside the worm. Like none of this clicks for her in any way, shape or form. She's kind of, she even knows where she is basically Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. She knows what the worm is, which is just fantastic to me. But then a ladybug just triggers something. And I love that. I love that a simple gesture with a ladybug is what shuts her down. In a lot of ways as opposed to all this crazy stuff that's around her inside the worm and it's just it's really thoughtful which is something we've said repeatedly so far mm-hmm. but it's it's really thoughtful for a character who hasn't had a great deal of development beyond eh, you've been brainwashed by this evil cult mm-hmm. and I, I just i really like it it makes me it's a very happy show and i'm i'm, I'm glad rick and morty didn't have a second episode this week <laughs> Have both? We can, but not when one preempts the other. Yes, <laughs> then Noel thing, gets yes. sad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did also uh really like watching Jack interact with a person, mm-hmm. which he hasn't for so very long. Yeah. Um. So. So. And then. Wa- and watching him, like, just intrinsically know that he needs this contact, this human contact um like he would try to save her anyways because he's a hero and all like any you know, we would do that no matter what um he's got to keep her tied up so she doesn't try to kill him and he can't leave her defenseless so he's gonna you know um yeah. but like when they're do when he's taking the needles off and he just tries <laughs> to make a joke like yeah okay let's just do this then i guess we'll be quiet
1: <laughs> tell them are <we're> so funny <laughs> He really is this has been a really good showcase for him too, and but that that th- I love that the needle joke keeps going is the thing it's just like visually that joke just keeps going for a lot longer than I thought they were gonna let it go, and I really like that it just kind of kept going. I thought you that keep was really sh-
0: like waiting for her face to soften a little bit and right no,
1: no no not she's not gonna she's not gonna cave to an acupuncture joke she's <laughs> not she refuses.
0: Um, anything else? Or is it iZombie and teen brain
1: time? It's iZombie and teen brain time. These are the best brains ever. (laughs) Um, this
0: is zombie knows best. Yes. Noel, I'm about to anger all the iZombie fans. Okay. Um, because I really enjoyed, uh, Robert Buckley, right? Yes. Yeah. As uh, the teen brains, I thought that was actually really a lot of fun. I just don't think, I just don't think the lead actor is that good. Rose McIver? I don't think she's that good. Yeah. I think she's really good at Liz. You're going to
1: get pitchforks now. I think she's
0: really good at some of the characters. But Mm -hmm. this has happened for me before. And it happened for me in this episode again. Where Mm -hmm. I think she's really good at certain things. But I just don't think she has the range that this role requires to really, really nail it. Mm -hmm. Um, and And it reminds me of certain elements of Dollhouse where some of the actors were, like, I would say uh, Eliza Dushku was actually really terrific, probably the best of any of them, at, like, the blank slate doll. Yes. But, like, the range for all the other characters she really struggled with, whereas other actors were, like, really good at doing all those different types of characters, but didn't quite capture the blank slate doll. You know, so when we have... Every single time that she was saying dad brain stuff, it sounded like someone putting on a fake forced... Try to act like a dad thing. I didn't believe it for a second, and it just kept taking me out because. And for me, that was contrasted with Buckley, who I absolutely bought. And yes, he's getting broader, more comedic things to play, but you know, the, and that's an easier thing to 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 draw to mine comedy from, right? But and, I just yeah. think. I, I, I just could, I, every single time that she would say something Like I'd be like, so you just pitched your head, put your arms at your hips, pitched your head at a slight angle and lowered your voice a little bit. That, that's not, you need to embody, you can't just do a couple ticks. And that's, I, I haven't said anything about this in a while on the show. I did a little, a little bit last season, but that's the thing I keep coming back to is a struggle because I really like a lot of these characters. I really like a lot of these actors. Um, I like Rose MacGyver as Liv, like regular old live. But oh man, I was struggling.
1: <laughs> uh so here's the thing, is that I disagree with you on the whole concerning MacIver, um, who I think is really phenomenal um on this show um week to week. My thing with Dad Brain is that it lacks serious specificity, which I think is the problem which is for me it's a writing issue, is not so much an acting issue here is that so much of the teen brain feels really specific and grounded in what's going on with um, Major in this episode. From his, his conversations with Ravi about their friendship to his insecurities as a member of Fillmore and how all that fits together, I think, really works well. But the, the best brains on the show always complement something that's happening with the story and Liv has no story in this episode yeah and that's i think is the reason why i actually think the dad brain writing is much broader than the teen brain writing is and which is why so much of it is like she's just playing a weird sort of parody of a leave it to beaver uh father knows best sort of thing Mm -hmm. as opposed to a more specific sort of dad brain if to, to dig in a little bit there. So it doesn't feel like a character. Um, it's I, I still think it's pretty funny, but I do understand and don't disagree where you're coming from, that it's a, kind of a halts things. But I think Buckley's performance is just so good mm-hmm. that it keeps everything moving along really, really nicely. So even when she's doing something like Don't Text and Drive, he... His whole thing with like putting on his coat and saying, God, don't stop trying to control me. I have to go to mercenary training Mm. is really, really funny because, again, it's motivated from where he is and the brain's just amplifying all of that. But the dad brain isn't amplifying anything for Liv, even Mm. on a script level. And I think that's where it like falls apart on just like she doesn't have anything else to do, basically, I feel like.
0: See, and I want her to find the other things. Yeah. that's what I'm wanting from the performances. I'm wanting her to find those other levels and the ways that you can connect to Liv's concern for for Major, for example. Mm-hmm. And and if the specificity isn't in the script, bring it in your performance. Which I know is an easy thing for me to say as a non actor. You know? Yeah, <laughs> as you who's not an actor, it's mm-hmm. easy for me to like sit back in my comfortable chair and be like, "Well, I think maybe there's so much more you could do." But um, yeah, that's that's. I I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um. And I. And it's much easier to make. Like I said, it's much easier to make. God, I have to go to mercenary training, funny than yeah. to make. Don't text and drive, funny.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm just greedy, Noel. I want them both to be funny.
1: I understand that, and I still think she's funny. But I. I think that it's. I. I it's just a Buckley showcase through mm-hmm. and through. Um. How I love did you feel with Clive? That was my question. Was how did you feel about the Clive stuff? Because. It made me really, really happy. I yeah. was very happy with all of this Clive stuff.
0: Yeah, it's long overdue, and um, yeah, and it, it really it gave us so much more context for something because this is going to drive a lot of the action. I think it's certainly in the beginning of the season. Um, this connection Clive has, so the just the specificity of it, and like some of it doesn't make sense. You just have to kind of hand wave away the logic of like you're undercover, but you barge in next door and you show your badge, like. But I don't really care because it really does give us a better look at Clive than we've gotten in the whole run of the show. And I think the actor, you know, was up to it and and really delivered. And I I, was just we've needed this kind of a thing for him. We've gotten some hints of stuff for Robbie. I mean, he just is in more. He gets more character stuff just with interactions with Liv and with Major. So we've needed this them to do this work with with Clive for a while. And I'm very glad that they did it.
1: Yeah, no, like like I like we discussed last week, this kind of personal nature of the uh, preemptive zombie killing uh, is hopefully is going to drive things forward for a little while. And it, it was just really great. It was it was really good to see him in a different sort of situation without someone else who's a cop or someone in law enforcement, which is what happened last season, where his girlfriend was with the FBI and it was it the dynamics were different there. Whereas this Mm -hmm. is a civilian with a kid who has like a troubled relationship. And these are different dynamics to tell us about who Clive is that I think is really instructive and really, really necessary. Um, like you said, like this has been a very long time coming. And the other thing is, is that it told us how he got so obsessed with game of Thrones, (laughs) which I was very happy about to the point where he's not supposed to watch game of Thrones. And it's just like, This is a really good joke because Clive wouldn't know that. On some (laughs) level, I understand the fact that Clive wouldn't understand that a nine-year-old isn't necessarily supposed to watch Game of Thrones.
0: See, like that's the thing with the performance of, like when he's miming putting his hand over mm-hmm. the kid's eyes when there was a beheading or nudity,
1: right? <laughs> like,
0: was was ter- terrific. It's a kind of love those little touches and and the the mom just messing with him and not yeah. being that upset. I, you know, like the dynamic again was sort of like with Detour was very immediately lived in and comfortable, and I thought that yeah really helped uh, as well. So yeah, um, feel free the at gmail.com. at the yeah. on Twitter. Send me your hate. I I'm ready I you know I fully I'm not worried about getting in this I'm sure I deserve it um yeah I I would love for the show to get me to change my mind I would love mm-hmm. for that to happen I hope that it does um yeah that's where I'm gonna leave it for nice. so I, I hear what you're saying I <laughs> sure. think we just we disagree and that's yeah. okay right
1: but I like when we disagree because we frankly agree way too often we
0: agree way <laughs> too much well do we agree on best
1: show what wins the week in comedy and genre See, I can't not give it to IZombie for the teen brain, because um, mm-hmm. it's so good. It's such it's such a powerhouse comedic performance from Buckley. So it's basically just like I, I give it to iZombie, but also like Andrew Tribeca like just just endure it. Just under it for me. Uh what about you this week?
0: Um, I will give it to Simra Jack. Okay. Yeah, with Andrew Tribeca <laughs> just under it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I also oh, really like the <laughs> night, like you know, like
0: there's like a lot of this stuff, but yeah. uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, yep. yeah another another solid week. Um, so now we'll take a break and come back with our week in drama and reality. Bonnie Tyler, the lip sync song for this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. We're going to kick off our week in drama and reality uh, with Noel previewing the upcoming Hulu uh, series, The Handmaid's Tale. Then Noel's going to talk a bit about the American Experience uh, World War One documentary, Sixth Parter. Um, we'll talk some RuPaul's Drag Race, Dragly Ever After, The Good Fight, Self-Condemned. Uh, Noel's going to talk American Crime, Season 3, Episode 5, and we'll round things out with Underground, Minty, and just like damn. Can we just... Yeah.
1: yeah Damn. We get there.
0: Uh, but we're going to start off with some damn, too, at least from what I've been seeing. Is The Handmaid's Tale as good as everybody says, Noel? Because like everybody, including you from our off-mic conversations, says damn.
1: Yeah, it, it's very, very good. Uh, enough that I feel like people need to get a Hulu subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, I don't recommend people getting subscriptions for these kind... Just a show, even though I'm doing it with stars for American Gods. But uh get get a subscription for this and or steal someone else's basically um hulu has profiles now um do it watch it when it comes out on the 26th the first three episodes drop i've i've seen the first three which is what hulu's made available so far and yes damn it's really really good it's really really i really can't overstate how good it is i think (laughs) Um, from, and I don't want to give too much away, but basically the show expands on the source material in what I believe will end up being really productive ways, uh, like significantly expands on it in what I hope will be really productive ways. And there's solid amounts of stuff prior to the institution of the new government, uh, which is really good as that kind of stuff is. And is woven in and out of the book in really good ways, but it's, it never goes very deep. And the show goes a lot deeper, um, at least within these first three episodes. So I'm very excited about that aspect of it, but the things I'm most excited about is aesthetically, I think the show is really gorgeous. Um, the first three episodes are directed by the same woman, uh, Reed Moreno, I think is the name. And it's really smart direction of, um, framing. Uh, there's a lot of close-ups. Uh, but there's also just like Annie Helen Ann- and Ann Helen Peterson has a really good piece over at Buzzfeed about it um, that ties into a larger trend that she calls the female glance aesthetic. Um, but it's, it's a very good piece and I recommend reading it, especially after you've seen the first episode at the very least, because uh, it really digs into a lot of the aesthetic choices that the show's making and does so very well and explains the ideological um, nature of these aesthetic choices as a very feminist, sort of approach which is really important for a show like this as it's a deeply feminist text and that's really great but the other thing is just elizabeth moss kate is just like phenomenal like kind of like performance of the year stuff already Mm -hmm. i think and like i i didn't get like a lot of her on Mad Men, in part because again i only watched like four seasons uh but those four seasons she's very good but mostly i know like elizabeth moss from top of the lake really is like my connection to her and she's phenomenal in that, but she's like next level in this, I think. And it's, it's a combination of her because of her position. And I'm trying not to like give away premise stuff as well for folks who have just never read the book or know what the book's about. There's so that
0: more of those people than I realized by the way. Right.
1: Yeah. I had like a couple of coworkers who just hadn't read it. They mm-hmm. knew about it and also like a couple of coworkers who hadn't basically read it since like high school, if mm-hmm. then. So and like I hadn't read it since high school and listened to the audiobook, which is terrific. Uh, Claire Danes reads it and is phenomenal. Um like last year, I think. It was last year. I think it was last year or the year before. Either one. But it's really good and made like shark this show is just shockingly relevant and the book is still shockingly relevant in really depressing ways and I think that's part of the reason why this show has such strength to it, especially the third episode which had my stomach in a knot for basically an hour and is that because of the current political climate, because of the fear of a political climate on the off chance that Trump gets ousted, um, and Pence comes into authority, uh, this entire thing of The Handmaid's Tale kind of starts to feel like more realistic in a way that I am not comfortable with. And I say this as a straight white guy who, within the confines of Atwood's novel, would get all my sister and my mother's money, basically, within the confines of that novel. I would get all of their money um, because of how the, what the government ends up doing through the course of that. And... So all of this has, like, a really charged relevancy that it just wouldn't have otherwise. And it's so important, even if it didn't have that, but because of the current political landscape, it's so, so very charged and so very gut-wrenching to watch. And so that's as much as I can say without, like, digging into more spoilers. But I really look forward to discussing this, this with you for, like, the next few weeks after it comes out and i think you're really going to like it and i'm really excited to hear what you think about it
0: yeah i can't wait to watch it and um i couldn't help but think as you're talking about this so you're saying the answer is um to steer into the moment rather than avoid engagement with it
1: <laughs> right and that's the thing is just like this the show was like announced like before the election and mm-hmm. episodes were filmed before the election for sure yeah. and so if like Clinton had won. Like this is still a story that has far too much relevancy just on like a state's legislative mm. level, but because of the le- because of the federal government, and it takes on even more oomph. And yeah. it's an invertent lean in, but it's also one of the things where I can't call an inadvertent lean in because the novel was written in the eighties. Yeah, like 85,
0: yeah. eighty five. Yeah, 84,
1: 85. and. What was written then, you don't have to extrapolate anything from the current political climate to not say, well, this is just as relevant as it was during the Reagan administration, as it was even at the tail end of the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. And that's really startling. Yeah. And I think, yeah.
0: Yeah, I remember reading it in school and being like, okay, but that's ridiculous. That could, n-. and I, yeah.
1: And now you're just like, oh, oh I school, don't. high school Kate. <laughs> a time,
0: yes, um, yeah, I'm very excited for it. Like you, like the, everything I've seen looks like the like the visuals and the aesthetic and the like the light and everything looks really neat. And the um certainly Elizabeth Moss, um, yeah, obviously terrific in top of the lake as you're saying but i've been following her since the west wing so it's just so wonderful to see her continually get all this really because she's an amazing actor so just to see her move from project to project to project it's like how can you how are you gonna top uh west wing oh mad men touche but i mean (laughs) come on you're on a hiatus hiatus from mad men what could you possibly top of the lake you say intriguing (laughs) And now, you know now now The Handmaid's Tale and Top of the Lake too. So like, oh gosh, like all the TV stuff she touches is gold. And I'm assuming most of the film work is well. I haven't seen most of her films, but yeah, yeah. Anyways, certainly I'm very excited about that one. Um, what about this American Experience World War One documentary, uh, The Great War? Obviously six six parter, or is it like a three three
1: parter? Six hours.
0: Six hours. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um. So. I think, I've, I think I mentioned uh, last year when we were doing resolutions that I don't particularly care for military history. And this is still very true. And the Great War reaffirmed this, especially in the third part, which is heavy about uh, America fighting in World War One. in part because it comes to the end of the First World War and America's there fighting. And so it's a lot about Pershing's um, uh, strategies and soldiers and then... Uh, the burgeoning Air Force, that kind of thing. But uh, the real standout episode, and this is the episode that I feel like you can watch independent of the rest of this, and I actually encourage people to seek it out because it's very, very good, is the second episode is phenomenal, in part because it hits on everything that I care about in a war documentary, which is it doesn't talk about war in any way, shape, or form, and instead talks about uh, domestic issues during war time. So the and the reason why I'm focusing on it is that this is two hours of propaganda, racism and feminism in the 19 teens and during the Wilson administration and how the war like influenced any number of black people, black men, I should say, to sign up to volunteer to go fight because the idea being, well, if we prove ourselves then they have to accept us over here. And the concept of a broken promise plays into the third part, but it runs through the second part because we all know how this ends. Uh, But even like how it starts with um, a number of troops ending up having to go to South Carolina for extended training and that going better than expected, but not great because of other racial turmoil that's happening Uh, In Texas at the time as well So all of this gets bundled up into the war Then there's uh, Suffrage movement and then the anti-war Movement conflating with one another um, Through uh, Through one another And that whole thing going into Like uh, women staging hunger strikes And uh, Including what was her name Belle I think is her last name uh, Staging a hunger strike so long and getting So much attention that she actually ends up In a, a mental institution But at some point during her strike, a senior Wilson confidant um, goes to her, has a conversation. The next day she calls off her strike and encourages others to do the same. And then a little bit later, Wilson declares his support for women's suffrage.
0: Mm. Uh
1: Aha. Really interesting, like horse trading type stuff that's implied, but there's like no confirmation of it, but the connection is there basically. And... So this kind of stuff, but also people uh, discriminating against people who are speaking out against the war. So the Sedition Acts that Wilson signs into law, uh, independent like sort of things that happen at a city and state level against those with German names, but also like the early development of like internment camps within World War One is really interesting for like people who protest the war and that kind of a thing. And it's just, it's really interesting. It's really fascinating. And a part of a lot of this, I just didn't know. Like I knew a little bit about uh, African-Americans and men enlisting on the idea that they have to take us seriously. They have to understand us. They have to accept us if we go and fight for them um, type of thing I knew about. But a lot of the women's suffrage stuff, I didn't know about beyond the fact that a number of women's prominent women, women's suffragists were very anti-war as well. So uh, it was just a really, really interesting and really fascinating time capsule look, and it was really good. It was really good. The rest of the documentary as a whole, I think, is pretty strong, but a lot of it also just feeds into my general bias about military history just being really boring. Um, but the second part I encourage people to seek out, and you can probably find it on your PBS affiliates website uh, under the American Experience tab. And you can probably watch it for free because it's probably still up. But, uh, yeah, seek it out if you're interested in that kind of stuff. But, yeah, 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 yeah. No,
0: that's, that sounds fascinating. And certainly
1: um, all of these. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a tense weekend, listeners. <laughs> if you're listening to this in the future, it's a tense weekend. So I think going back and learning some of the lessons from World War One would probably, you know, learning some of the context, some of what was happening, would yeah that would not be a miss uh yeah good call good call so i will check that out i look forward to to yeah reporting back on that yeah thank you thank you you're welcome um now i'll actually go watch it and i'll learn stuff and i'll you know (laughs) instead of just sitting and watching the same like three things and still finding time for elementary when like there's so many air quotes better shows i should be watching anyways that's a conversation for another time, um, one of the better shows that I should be watching and that I did watch this week, of course, was RuPaul's Drag Race, Dragily Ever After. Um, in this challenge, uh, the queens had to create a, a princess and a sidekick for that princess. Um, we got some, like, look at, uh, they talked a, bit, a little bit about their experiences uh, with the Pulse shooting in Orlando. Uh, with, For example, uh, Cynthia Lee Fontaine was supposed to, to be performing that night which is like that's chilling um so what did you think of the the stuff the the behind the scenes conversations we got as well as the actual show the actual like princesses and costumes
1: right so i was really glad that we had people needing to make costumes this week um Mm -hmm. i know it's only like the third it's the third week right yeah it's the third week but i was already missing people having to make costumes and uh so i was really glad that that came into play this week and i like the the, again like this is something that even from like the mid the middle of the show's run seasons that i watched for our make you watch a thon last august and i have to start thinking about what to make you watch in (laughs) a couple of months yeah yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um so that I, i that this idea of some queens not having sewing skills and how you can come on to rupaul's drag race nine seasons in and go, ah, I don't need that. I just yeah. pay people to do that for me in, for my shows. And it's, it's very much like, well, that's, that's, that's fine for your show. And also that you have the income to do that is phenomenal. But I, I thought you'd seen the show before.
0: So You got passed on this show. <laughs> you weren't then helicoptered away. You had time. <laughs> It's yeah. like people go on the Amazing Race without practicing how to drive stick. It's like, okay, you brought this <laughs> on yourself, okay? You don't go on any Road Rules, Real World Challenge or Amazing Race without learning how to, to drive stick. You don't go on Survivor without you figuring out how to, like, start a fire.
1: Come on. Right. right. And so Kamara, like, talking about how I don't know how to do any of this. and But also the plight of her padding. Oh my God, Michelle dragging her
0: was so oh oh, it was
1: glorious. Right? Yeah, no, it was great, and but so all of that culminated in an episode that I really liked. But then, like a number of the looks, um, I didn't quite remember, Mm -hmm. but I. um, so like, you can tell me some of your favorite looks and I can go like, yes, I did like that because I was also working while I was watching this <laughs> episode. So some of it didn't stick, but I, d- I do remember thinking that having to make a sidekick was a little weird. Um, even though I really liked, um, oh, uh, who was it? Um, uh, the queen who made the starfish, I'm forgetting her name. Yeah. Um, uh, was, tradie? It might have been Trinity, yeah. Um, like, actually made the starfish. And yeah. didn't, like, do a makeup job for around the animation. Yeah. But just made a starfish, mm-hmm. and that's what they used. And I was just like, that's really good. All of you should have done that, because the yeah. animation stuff didn't look great some of the time. No, no. And the makeup stuff didn't always blend. Uh, but I think that's more of a technical issue than it is an issue with them. But... The extra step of making the starfish was just really, 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 really smart. Yeah. Uh, so, how did you feel about this episode?
0: I'm gonna be honest. I don't remember a lot about it. Uh, yeah.
1: I don't feel bad yeah. now. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. I remember <laughs> that Nina Benina <laughs> Brown's makeup was again like ridiculous. Oh
1: God! Oh, God, it's so good.
0: So good. Because
1: she she did like the Martian alien yeah. this year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God! It's her makeup is phenomenal.
0: Yeah. Um and that's about all i remember i remember the (laughs) pulse conversations like i remember i was not sad to see camorra go um Mm -hmm. i enjoyed i had delightful shun for it at you gotta like pick up some basics for sewing yeah you know at least learn how to use a glue gun you don't know how to use a glue gun and you're going on oh my goodness come on um but uh but it was a fun episode but not among the more memorable for drag race for me so yeah that's sort of
1: where i'm at with it Mm. I think the only other thing I'll say is that I I liked Eureka's concept of a sewer princess. Yeah, with,
0: like, the bug on her face.
1: Right, with the bug on her face, I really liked that entire aesthetic. Um, But I also really liked the fact that people didn't necessarily, like, some of the other queens were just like, I don't understand this. And I don't understand why you're doing this. And a lot of, like, this goes back to um, kind of the discussions we had, like, with camp. And this idea of performativity, which is doing a sewer princess is highly performative and higher is very camp-driven because it's demonstrating a sort of pushback against a princess aesthetic, which I think is really interesting. Even if Eureka doesn't frame it that way, it becomes framed that way through drag. And I think that's really, really interesting. And I, I really liked the whole outfit and aesthetic, and I liked her concept as well, even if a lot of the other queens were just like, Understand what you're doing with this exactly. Um, and so is Valentina already the one to beat? Yeah. Or yeah, is yeah. like is is it like Easy Street at this point? Well, or there's
0: some others, I don't think you know right. There's some other contenders, but yeah. right.
1: And I mean, like the Snatch Game is sort of like make or break for a lot of them. Yeah. And I, I'm curious to see how this group handles that. Um, yeah. but we'll see because Snatch Game is like it's coming like up. A, it's like in a week or two at this point, right?
0: Yeah, something like that. Well, yeah. when, when they have
1: eight, usually. Oh, well, then we've got a while to go.
0: So, yeah. Sometimes they yeah. do ten, but usually it's eight. Yeah. So okay. we'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, um, we'll see. Yeah. Not the most memorable. Um, a surprisingly less memorable than I would have thought good fight this week. Self-condemned. At the, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. This, I, like, I really like what they're doing here. Then today, as I was putting together my notes... I had to look up what this episode was.
1: Ooh, yeah, and then I was good. like,
0: oh, he was the one with all the flashbacks to Maya discussing memory. I really like that one. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> Ironically.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, what did you think of the good fight? Interesting and distinct in its own or just more of a continuation of the good wife's obsession with memory?
1: Well, I mean, they bring back the memory pop technique, which I think is really significant because it's one of my favorite techniques from the good wife. Mm -hmm. And they don't do anything new with it, but it's used really, really well here to have Maya explore what she thinks she knows. And that's really what it's about here is like Maya trying to figure out what she thinks she knows and what she knows about herself and her family Mm -hmm. and being prodded to actually engage with that kind of a thing um, is, I think, really good. And my, my big thing with it is, is that it was a lot. And I really enjoyed it. I love Jane Lynch mm-hmm. in this episode. And, I mean, she can play that kind of a character in her sleep because she's done it a gazillion times. And there's just her sheer unflappability as birds are being thrown against the window mm-hmm. <laughs> is really good and really funny. But it's too late as well is my thing. It's just like, if this were episode 9 of 22, I would not be saying this. I'd be saying... We're, we're finally having time to dig into Maya because everything's been put into place for us to dig into Maya. And now I'm basically just like, guys, this is your penultimate episode. I should know more about your ostensible protagonist than I knew mm-hmm. <laughs> by episode nine. especially, And so... It's all really good, and Rose Leslie is really good apart from – and I don't blame her at all for the show's decision to put a lot of rouge on her face and make her hair curly to sell her a 17, uh-huh. um, even though she's 30. <laughs> um, but she's really good in this episode, and she's been good the entire season. This is really my first exposure to her because I didn't watch Game of, see her in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. But So I really enjoyed that. Um, the case of the week with Col- uh, Colin Sweeney is fine. Mm-hmm um i i enjoyed the i feel like the case was they came up with the punchline and then just made the the case up later the punchline being that colin sweeney is going to be an ambassador for the united states to some country and wouldn't that be hilarious and it is hilarious because i have the same reaction everyone in the office does but it's a really good episode but i just feel like it comes too late in the season in a lot of ways uh for at least maya especially How did you feel considering that you forgot all of this and then remembered it and then went, oh, that was really good?
0: Yeah. um, I've really liked that in the memories, we were getting fragments of scenes that you know were really significant. Yeah. So, like, when we're getting the fragments of the scenes in the, the OBGYN, like, they're clearly heading to an abortion discussion or STDs or something much more significant for a 17-year-old, which is why that makes sense and, and it's why that she can- she's able to remember that is happening around that time and – to say, oh, okay, well, that's when that happened, and like, cause she, she, why would she remember the date? What she was remembering is all this other stuff that was happening in her life that necessitated going to the doctor. Um, and so I, and I like that they don't go into that; they let us fill in the gaps, which is the appropriate thing, because my keeps getting dragged back to the present. Um, so I, I really liked that detail. It's neat to see anybody else get the memory pops, because we've pretty much only ever had it be Alicia, right?
1: I want to say Will's been given a couple within Carol of the. Uh, I was about to say the title of my thing, but his 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 episode with Alicia. Um... Yeah,
0: there was the one where we both saw their memory of the same moment, and she was wearing right. a different colored dress. Yes, you're right. Um, yeah, but yeah, so it was, it's still there. Haven't been that many characters, so I it'll be interesting to see if that is something that they only use here or if they start to use it more frequently as it when it comes back for season two I absolutely agree that as a episode nine of ten this is much less successful than it would be like I would remember it more if I already knew and cared about Maya a right. lot more um, I like what we get with uh, Kishembo she's you know l- l- she's so good Lucas so good she's here
1: really good yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and it also would be nice if I knew or cared about Maya's girlfriend or fiance more than i do like i i vaguely like her poor amy they have (laughs) some good chemistry but like i don't we don't know her
1: yeah
0: at all yeah Yeah. it's the issue of too many characters so um the, the show is struggling to juggle all of its characters with its firm dynamics and plots and everything and if you remember back in season one, two of The Good Wife, it was basically just about Alicia, pretty much all seen through her lens. And then occasionally we'd get some politicking at the firm, so a little bit with Carrie. But it really was almost solely from her perspective, starting off with Diane and Luca and Maya and uh, the firm, all this different stuff, you know, Bozeman and, and the firm. That's, it's too much to do in 10 episodes and really give each character what it needs for us to fully invest.
1: Right. For a bunch of producers that complained about having to pad 22 episodes, um, they sort of struggled with structuring 10. And I acknowledge that also, like, a lot of this had probably been broken in a number of ways before they came back to the show.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, but I, I wonder, like, I wonder about, like, the production pace for this show on, like, a number of levels beyond them reshooting little bits of pilot after mm-hmm. Trump's election, but also just how much got shifted around after the Kings came on full time since they were not supposed to be running the show. Yeah. And then went, Oh, well, brain dead didn't get picked up for a second season, uh, which guys, did you, did you expect that to happen? <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of a thing, I wonder how much of that plays into what we got this season. And if season two is going to be structured in a more streamlined way, I I don't know. I'm not convinced that that'll happen, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about the other day that, you know, I had all these thoughts about the music on the good fight when it first started and they've all gone away because the show has not been interested in setting up a a distinct aesthetic for itself um, and really setting itself apart from the good wife. And I think that's, a shame. I mean, because I really like, I really enjoy the good fight. I really like what we've gotten this season. It's been very fun to watch, but it does feel like, you, you, like when in season three, you know, the good, the good wife sort of clicked and like found all these other elements, the other, other level, these other levels to play. We, it would have been nice if we could have started out with that, but I guess I'm gonna have to be patient. <laughs> they're gonna need more time to find their feet to to really like. They're starting off with like a solid, I would say, like B B plus first season,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: I. I was hoping it would be more in the a range
1: <laughs> no I, and I don't disagree, but I mean we can discuss this um after next the finale, week yeah after the finale, which I've already seen mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and uh but we can discuss that uh, with the finale and the show as a whole, um which I think will be an interesting discussion to have,
0: yeah, so more on that next week, yeah. but Noel, I am behind an American crime. Uh, how yeah. do you feel about season three, episode five? We were said last week. We, you know, like it was a significant episode for them. Did they deliver?
1: Uh, well, I hope you weren't like super worried about the farm there, Kate. Uh,
0: <laughs> but Dallas Roberts being a jerk. Well,
1: what yeah, happens? no, and he he stole a jerk in this episode. Um, but not about the farm. Um, no. So the farm stuff kind of gets like uh like three minutes at the top. And then we spend the rest of the episode dealing with um, Kamara and Shay, and then Lily Taylor's character and her au pair, and then Felicity Huffman's character uh, fleeing Dallas Roberts. Uh, yeah. Um, and so it's a good episode insofar as this is a show that is thematically sound, but we've always known that, especially this season. Narratively, it's lacking cohesion and it's continuing to lack cohesion and that the overlap just isn't there there's only three episodes left so that overlap just doesn't feel like it's going to happen and i think a lot of this just boils down to the fact that this episode in particular is driven home by the fact that women just don't have choices and so felicity huffman's character decides that she needs space away from dallas Roberts. so she goes to a hotel she uses her card for the deposit as she they require. And she's like flipping through like the food service book and everything. And he calls her. Cause he's just like, I got a flag that my credit card had been used for a hotel. What are you doing there? You left a note and a bunch of food in the freezer for me. And she has no, she has no outlets. She can't apply for a job because she doesn't have an account that is her own. It's joint. She can't get any financial incentive through like a year-long trial separation, because then she doesn't get anything for that year, but she can't get a job because she's been a housewife for 25 years. So all of this stuff that builds up to prevent women from working, basically, if they make a quote-unquote traditional choice. And so all of this plays out through this episode. Then we've got Shay uh, running away from the shelter and uh, joining a house that's basically a webcam Uh, House and that stuff is Underplayed but it's interesting I think it's Just going to be the runner for the rest of the episode Um, But then Kamara uh, dealing with A new girl uh, That she gave The car to in the previous episode And Grappling with that but she also runs into Lily's Taylor character who uh, they're Dealing with all the financial stuff but also just This idea of motherhood And who you're responsible for Comes in play as well and the fact that she, Hutton's character comes after her for hiring a maid from Haiti, even though perfectly good babysitters from here. And this idea of like, what do you what what do you need this maid? What do you need this nanny for? Basically, when you're home alone by yourself, not doing anything, so you can write five thousand dollar checks that we don't have to causes and this kind of a thing. So there's a navigation of gender and economic politics within this episode. That's really, really interesting, but it doesn't touch on anything with the farm that we just spent half the season really grappling with apart from an acknowledgement of the fact that the river or the pond or the lake is not an uncommon site for this kind of behavior, but that's it. And then it just goes into these three. So it's a, Again, a really good episode, but it's not cohering in any way that the previous two seasons really have, and that's a struggle that I'm having, and I'm wondering if just all this season was just weird production-wise and they just couldn't get people together at the same time. Yeah. The, the, and, the, the actors, yeah. Right, and I th- I'm, I'm increasingly convinced that that's what happened. Uh, but I guess we'll see. There was still no Sandra Oh, so you'll be frustrated um, this <laughs> week. Um, but Again, it's a good episode, but the season as a whole is not cohering. And that's really frustrating. Yeah.
0: We, I was remembering that, you know, this week, that last season, season two, I was very connected to those characters, like, right yeah. away. And that has not been happening. Like, I The performances are good, and, you know, it's hard not to connect to some of the characters, but I'm not going to remember a lot of
1: their names. Right. And I don't remember any of their names aside from Shay, which I think is really telling. Yeah. And yep. Kamara, but also that's because Regina King is amazing.
0: Because it's Regina King, so. Yeah, right,
1: right. right.
0: <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Well, what about, I mean, speaking of amazing performances, Underground, Minty, can we just, like, all the awards for Aisha and, Hine? Like,
1: Yeah, this is this is your uh, guest actress in a yeah. uh, Emmy tape. In a tape. drama, yeah. It is the um,
0: like, the structure please, of it. Yeah. Go for it.
1: No, no, no. I was going to say you please talk for a little while. <laughs> okay.
0: The structure of just having it be Harriet Tubman talks to a room of white people for, like, abolitionists and supporters for an hour and then talks directly to camera was terrific. And like, and I had heard that it was a big Harriet Tubman episode and that she's you know, she talks, she gives a big speech, talks like, and I had heard even people saying she talks, she gives a speech for 45 minutes. And I, I was like, you, hey, yeah, I'm sure you guys are exaggerating a little bit, but, like, it's a big one. Like, that's what I got from it. No, literally, she, like, gets dressed and then goes and talks and monologues for an entire episode of television. I'm trying to think of any other example of that that I can remember, and none comes to mind. And she nails it. The writing is terrific as well. I love the incorporation of actual quotes from Harriet Tubman in her speech and and the 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 play with the audience where she's clearly done this a bunch um and like the the drama and the comedy of it and her knowing when to give them a moment to laugh and when to pull it back in uh, It's all very it's is very enjoyable to watch her play the art that she has you know like the 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 craft of that hour you know that she knows exactly what she's doing um i thought it was terrific and then they just crescendo to the end with the direct to camera stuff, it's just whew, goosebumps.
1: Right. And the direct to camera stuff, I mean, I'll deal with that first since that was the last thing you mentioned, is so elegantly done because it starts off from the rafters. Yeah. And then it's just a very slow, like, drop and then push in onto her face when it becomes a direct address because it becomes this sort of mediate it becomes this mediated thing in which we're a detached audience as a television viewer, Mm -hmm. which is why we're in the rafters. And then it just slowly pushes you in as it becomes relevant to, again, to your point about Veep Uh, and Handmaid's Tale is, um, steering into the moment as opposed to away from. Yeah. and even like the mention of um i want to get the phrasing right here um and i think it's to
0: say making the world great again
1: you can't the the people who are doing bad things in the name of making it great again yeah is i mean you i, I i'm like 80% sure that's something tubman never said yeah like it's too pointed not to be it's something it's too specific yeah it's too specific and i think that that's really and because that is grounded in a direct address as opposed to a medium shot of her talking around the stage, which, by the way, is just a terrific piece of mise-en-scene, mm-hmm. as it's an auction stage with mm-hmm. a podium, with stuff up for sale, with price tags, with a picture of the, the Mary behind her. And just, it's all really, really perfectly crafted. Yeah. Uh, but,
0: and you also buy that as the TV show craft, but also as Harriet's craft right scene for her audience
1: correct and so that steady push in as it goes from we're talking about abolitionism we're talking about how you can't sit aside how this is a war for us within the confines of the show the frame literally goes away because we're again starting in the frame of the rafters and it becomes just us her talking to us saying something very general but very specific insofar as reading between the lines this becomes something not about abolitionism Mm -hmm. not necessarily about slavery even though it's still about violence against bodies which is a very large part of her speech uh which remains really relevant and it's 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 really good and i'm gonna shut up again for a little while because i've talked so much this section (laughs) (laughs) well and just
0: the again the focus on complicity and intentions are useless without actions you know and and that that th- thread that, that she keeps hitting on and that the show is hit on a bunch last season as well um yeah and the like the 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 plea to examine that and cuz whether you acknowledge it or not you're complicit if you don't speak out against if you don't act against and in this conversation of citizen versus soldier is something that we've seen uh, that the 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 writers had mentioned before the show even began the season began that this was going to be a conversation this season we've seen it in previous episodes but it's direct here and i I think we saw um wasn't it bokeem woodbine's character was reading like learning to read with one of those words an earlier episode yeah um so just take and taking this this whole episode for this, I mean, there's so many ways this could not work. There's so many, like, if you don't have a good enough actor, if you don't have interesting enough dialogue, if you don't... Because the, the, the broad strokes of Harriet Tubman's story is stuff that a lot of people know. At least the audience, you know, target audience for the show. Americans, you know, we learn the broad strokes about her in school. So adding the right specific touches and... Personal anecdotes and memories, so that it's the stuff that you wouldn't have heard in school, so you stay engaged. Um, and then talking about the, just like really making her feel so in the moment, and not of her time, but just so continually relevant um, as you know, just very much a person. You know, and and seeing the greatness in her as well, seeing the 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 humanity but also the larger-than-life element at the same time. It's just, it's a terrific performance. It's excellent writing. And, again, the direction and the, and the way that like, – I, I didn't need quite so many cuts to, to watching Melissa's um, react, maybe. But other – I mean, like I think they wanted to remind us why we were watching it, maybe. But um, I thought it was just a terrific episode. It reminded me of – I think this is going to be one of their, like, their very special episodes, sort of like last year we got the one with the kids. Right. I still think like the one the stuff we got last year was still overall more powerful than what we've gotten a lot of this year. But yes. this is a terrific episode.
1: It, it 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 just really really is. And I I I don't think that there's much more you can say about it. Yeah.
0: Other than beyond... go watch it. It's a total standalone episode. If you don't right. watch Underground, you can totally watch this episode.
1: Yeah, and I I think that it's also sort of designed that way in a lot of ways is like yeah. you... and, and I, I hate being cynical, but, I mean, it's designed that way, specifically, like, as an Emmy submission, mm-hmm. um, in that since Emmy voters normally don't get to see an entire season of anything, and they definitely wouldn't have seen, like, the previous two or three episodes she's done, Yeah, but they get this when she submits if she submits for consideration why wouldn't you with this episode yeah but it's something that works really well as standalone and now that like wgn because of all the tribune media stuff basically this is their only original program now uh because they canceled outsiders uh like today yeah um it's like this is it this is all they have again and uh like I want everyone to watch it so that this continues. <laughs> so the show can keep going. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a really nah, gosh. Here.
1: Yeah, no. Um... What
0: wins so we can <laughs> drum in reality? Well, I didn't watch The Handmaid's
1: Tale this week, so
0: it's definitely well, and underground I for me.
1: I can't choose Handmaid's Tale because it didn't start this week.
0: Ah, um, the nose there.
1: Right? Yeah. No. So I'm not going to do that. That's not fair. <laughs> um, no. So no. It's definitely underground. It's definitely yeah. underground.
0: Okay, well, now we'll take a break, listen to a little music or a little clip from the show, and come back with our season spotlight on 13 Reasons Why.
1: Hey. Hey. Hey! Hannah. I'm not going. Not now. Not ever. Why didn't you say this to me when I was alive? My husband and I We never got a note.
0: Hey, it's Hannah. Hannah Baker. Holy shit. Settle in, because I'm about to tell you the story of my life. More specifically, why my life ended. And if you're listening to this tape, you're one of the reasons why. This is
1: a wild game of survival. Is Hannah telling the truth?
0: Don't believe everything you hear.
1: Whatever Hannah thought she saw, she lied about it on those tapes because she's a crazy drama queen who just killed herself for attention. Hannah has secrets, Mrs. Baker. Hannah's secrets secret what killed her.
0: Maybe I'll never know why you did what you did. But I can make you understand how it felt. You don't know the whole story. What else do I need to know? You're just like the rest of them, but I'm not.
1: Everyone is just so nice until they drive you to kill yourself. And sooner or later, the truth will come out. This is a
0: wild game of survival. Noel, uh, last week you talked about 13 reasons why I had seen the first episode, and I peppered your your inbox, <laughs> or your, your I was texting you a bunch, as I was watching more, because we knew we were going to talk about the, the whole season this week, and I had struggled a little bit with the first episode, uh, I was really struggling <laughs> with episodes two and three, um, just waiting to care, not caring, realizing i was the only person i knew who had seen this who didn't love it uh and having a hard time and then a thing happened and uh we got the alex episode and miles heiser came on as alex and then that was what it took and i really ended up liking 13 reasons why quite a bit i really i really ended up in like there got some issues with it but on the whole i've liked it so much and for me, I'm, I want to hear what your thoughts on this. For me, it all hinged on Alex. Because when we got Alex, and Alex felt responsible for you know what had happened instead of just avoidancing and like blaming everybody else and saying Hannah lied. Because like, everybody we had interacted with at that point who um, was on a tape or was doing things was all saying that she, that she was a liar, it wasn't true, and that it wasn't their fault. And Alex was the first character to pivot that and... and stop blaming other people and to take some blame for himself. And it was like, even with Clay, Clay was also doing that, just blaming everybody else and not having any sort of reflection on maybe what he could have done. And his fear of that was, I know the point. But anyways, the point for me is I was very surprised to have Alex be the pivot character for me. Do you have any thoughts on that? And am I just a crazy person for not liking it from episode two, three, four?
1: No, I don't think you're a crazy person, and I think the Alex tape was three. Is that three? but three. Yeah, it's it's episode three. Their naming structure is really stupid. Um, <laughs> but but, yeah, but uh, he's
0: like about the but the he does things in
1: episode four yeah. though, especially that like change things because I think he gets into the fight in episode four. Yeah. Um, and that is like a big thing that happens as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that it, it's weird by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but. My thing was is that I was just really surprised by how much I responded to it from the get-go, mm-hmm. um, even though there are so many problems with this show. Like, I can't <laughs> begin to tell you how many problems there are. But the thing is, is like I don't care, really, because the overall scope and arc of the show makes those problems less of an issue for me. Okay. And we talk about this a lot with other types of shows, and we can dig into this here. But for me, there really wasn't, like, a pivot point in any way, shape, or form, though. I will say that after episode two, I was getting a little hesitant because two and three cause a perspective shift. Yeah. From, this is very deeply grounded in Clay and Hannah. Mm-hmm. And then we start drifting a little bit into Hannah's family, to the school board, to the other people on the tape talking in vague ways about things on the tape so that they don't give things away for the audience. But they have to keep having – we'll get to it. Yeah. So uh, all of that, I was was kind of startled and taken aback by that shift because I was really interested in being basically eyeballs deep Mm -hmm. in these two perspectives – but the the more I watched the show, I realized, we're just, I don't want to say smart, mm-hmm. but okay choice that was for making sure that we had a sense of how this was affecting everyone. Yeah. And I thought that was a good idea,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even if the execution wasn't necessarily the best execution. Um, but at the same time, I can't get too mad at it because it gave us Kate Walsh. And just Kate Walsh in this show is just, ah, oh, so good. Anyway, so no, I don't think you're weird for having a pivot character at all. And I like the. And I think it's good that Alex is your pivot character because he's the only one not in denial about anything. But he's also the only one who doesn't care. And he's also there from the start, unlike the literary magazine guy who just kind of pops in halfway through the show and he's suddenly at the big kid's table even though he's not there for the rest of the show yeah. in any way, shape, or form. He just kind of appears. He's like, like in
0: the background. Like he right. was on set that day, but yeah.
1: No, yeah.
0: it was. it really was about... Agency and responsibility, and when you had um characters like like so the stuff with i mean because because Justin is so Justin and Jessica are so centered around denial you know it's so yes. imp- that like they need to, on
1: multiple levels yeah
0: so many levels <laughs> they they need to be in denial for that for the show to work yeah. for us to be able to get as far as we do then i it was very frustrating to me um the like the stuff like and, all, and also the scope because of, of like the long burn of why jessica and, and also it's a cheat to have justin twice that's a cheat that's anyways yeah. um but so, be like okay well he just did this dick thing and jessica slapped you and stopped being your friend okay but i know you're gonna pay this off later on but this is you're not earning your full episodes here, um, so I was having str- quite a struggle with that. And having like, I think having it was just so refreshing when when Alex, and not in, right, not in his episode, uh, like cause after we figured out what he did, and like so we so we can actually start engaging with him as like a informed viewer in episode four. That is like that I, he he really cut the tone like like it was a nice counterpoint i guess to i'm using being very musicological in my terms this week but he was a nice counterpoint to the overall vibe of all the high school stuff um and um yeah that was kate walsh was terrific throughout Brian Darcy James that like the two of them together I thought were really good and I love how how easily the show goes back and forth between them being adorable and them being just like normal married and struggle struggling with the the financial stuff with the store um, to just that that broken drama of them as as grieving parents um, yeah that like by the time we get to episode four I I cared about Hannah in a way and, and that I didn't before and, right,
1: because I remember you getting sending me texts about that. Yes. Just
0: being like, <laughs> okay, yes, this is horrible. I feel like a bad person for thinking this, but I don't they haven't given me a reason to care that this person is dead besides the fact that she is a person who has family. Mm-hmm. Um And I think the as it went along, like as we got to it was I guess the stuff we got after alex's tape felt more like distinct specific choices characters were making rather than generic high school stuff okay so so like the spreading rumor you know justin spreading rumors in episode one and having a friend and then losing a friend didn't seem again it didn't seem specific enough like the the um Like the the stuff with Courtney was more of like I felt like it was more defined in who she was as a person and the stuff, you know, and the stuff with Marcus and these other things too. There's a lot of um tropes and like this is this character, this is that character, this is the dumb jock, this is the sensitive jock, this is the you know. Um but I don't know Surprise, they're all
1: dumb jocks. Yeah, seriously, (laughs)
0: thirteen reasons why no. One reasons why, one reasons, and it is toxic masculinity, right? Yeah. That's the the entire thing boils down to toxic masculinity. Um, like, seriously, almost every single tape and the damage that inflicts upon people.
1: Like, mm-hmm. I guess not no.
0: Courtney's tape?
1: No, not Courtney's tape and uh, not definitely not like um, Sherry's? Sherry's tape. Definitely not Sherry's tape. Sherry's tape is weird in a lot of ways. Um, uh, but uh, in that it doesn't fit with everything else in yeah. a lot of ways. But it's still significant enough. Um mm-hmm. But no, 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 no. I think you're right in that a lot of, like, the jocks, even as they sort of try to define them, mm-hmm. like, outside of that window, still feel like high school types. Yeah. And I, I, I think some of that is just sort of, uh, like, left over from the novel, mm-hmm. um, probably. Um, I haven't read it, yeah. um, I should say. Uh, but is that it's just it, it, – they are tropes without really getting too breathed into, mm-hmm. which is – a problem when you're doing a 13 episode television show that should have been like eight. Yeah. Um. But they couldn't give up the they couldn't give up that ghost of oh 13 tapes. 13 episodes. Oh, thir- <laughs> 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh Even though then the naming structure for the episodes are t- tape three side B, which yeah. doesn't make any sense when your yeah. on screen yeah. title cards say eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah doesn't work that no, way it doesn't, doesn't
0: anyway work. i also <laughs> but... with with alex watching him feel like you got a very strong sense of him feeling trapped and powerless yeah like, immediately like with why he was spending time with the jack
1: right well he doesn't fit in there at yeah. all like i mean he he doesn't and the only reason he's there is so that they can keep an eye on him basically yeah and But also because it's just like he's not reliable insofar as what he's going to do. But they have less control over, like, Clay, which is where we get into issues with the show is that, well, I still feel like we need to discuss, like, the fact, the thing that I really liked about the show before I just dig into the other things that really bothered me <laughs> was that um, i really liked the fact that Hannah's story isn't undermined in any way, shape, or form. Of her being an unreliable narrator. yeah. Well, I mean, um,
0: they discuss the fact that she absolutely is an unreliable narrator. Right. But that doesn't, like, they, you know, like, yeah, like I said, they don't um, undercut her right. for the reality that any of us would be an unreliable narrator.
1: Correct. And also just to the point where... It doesn't matter that she's wrong in so far as she perceived these things this way. Mm-hmm. In a lot of instances. In other instances she's very much not wrong. Yeah. But certain things she's wrong about, but it doesn't matter because these things built up. Yeah. And so regardless of if she's lying, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. this is this is everything that contributed to the end result. Of the show making us watch her kill herself in the bathtub. Yeah. Really unceremoniously making us watch that. Yeah. And, um, God, those last few episodes just really kind of ramp up that uh, uncomfortable yeah. factor, don't they? They do. Um, uh, which is why when you were, like, watching the show and in the initial thing, I just kind of went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'd, I'd seen those episodes except for the finale. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, uh well get back to me at episode 10 Kate (laughs) um how how you feel about things in episode 10 um but no so like hannah's story gets told but it's not like undercuts a much better word than undermine by anything else that is like the truth of the matter type of thing it doesn't it doesn't diminish what happened yeah it just indicates that if people just communicated a little bit better and also just weren't high schoolers yeah. in a lot of instances. Um, not all instances, but in a number yeah. of instances. Yeah. Um, or in, in other instances, not suffering from toxic mass- yeah. masculinity, the whole hog. Yeah. Um, that all of this could have been avoided to certain degrees. Yeah. And I think that that's really what's significant and important about the show and why it's ultimately why it's good is that Hannah's story gets told through Hannah, not through this weird investigation that Clay conducts or anything along those lines, uh, because he's obsessed with the truth, but it's just, it doesn't matter because this was the end result of everything that happened, regardless of whether it was true or not. Yeah. And I think that's really important.
0: Yeah. The the fact that these are all teenagers, I think they also do a good job of selling that there is no reason for most of them to like, to keep this a secret. Right. But protecting but...
1: Bryce makes no sense to me.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> well, well, and but they do a good job of showing just the power of peer pressure and, and the, the, their feeling of powerlessness that they have in their circle um, wrongly, but they, that like, Alex feels like he can't do anything or he can't say anything. Uh, Like, he didn't do anything. There's nothing here that's a problem for Or Zach? Yeah, okay. Dick, move. But you're not particularly close buddies with anybody. You did nothing that's going to jeopardize your scholarships.
1: Ryan. Ryan. Again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, And, like... So, so I, for me, at least they did a, especially earlier on, they did a good job in showing how, and like with Jessica, obviously she's traumatized. So she, she's trying to deny all this so so she can cope, but like they, they did, I think a good job, um, of, of really establishing that and then turning it in a satisfying way. So you have like, why are we protecting the rapist? I'm not gonna.
1: (laughs) Right. Which is where Ryan comes in, but it's still just like Ryan. Why didn't you just say anything beforehand? Yeah. You weren't in that much trouble. You just printed a poem that you weren't supposed to.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and this idea of him being petty and being angry and having his thing shut down, so wanting to, like, lash out at Clay. Nah. Yeah. No, you didn't buy it?
1: Not really, but it's just, it, it boils down to the fact that Ryan just shows up way too late. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, But, I mean, I really like your point about, like, them, like, circling the wagons for want of a better term mm-hmm. my problem was is that they kept circling the wagons over and over again
0: too, well and that's <laughs> part of the problem of having this take the place over the span of several weeks though i thought they also handled that better as the show went on and i, I yes. really liked i mean we love hannibal of course i like the stuff with him visualizing and imagining and projecting hannah there with him and like how it was messing up i thought that worked better to sell why he was spacing out the tapes yes but like early on no 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 couldn't like Slam those first like three or four tapes into one evening, and it, a lot of this works a lot better,
1: yeah, no, and I mean, you and I discussed this a little bit when you were watching the episodes is like like within the novel, clay listens to all of these in a single night mm-hmm. and which makes sense when you've got like a novel to work through. yeah, um, but when you've you're dedicated to the thirteen episode model, <laughs> yeah, um spreading it out, I think again, like do three and four as like a two episode chunk mm-hmm. And you're golden. And then this idea of this trauma that Clay keeps discussing endlessly um, makes more sense. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel like everything's running in circles as much as what happens with this show is that everything ends up running in circles in part because uh, I don't want to talk badly about Tony, but Tony's the goddamn worst.
0: (laughs) See, Tony's (laughs) awesome, but he's the magical, (laughs) magical a uh, game mechanic helper guy who's definitely not in high school, like way too old looking, and like nobody <sighs> believes him. Like he doesn't exist at all,
1: right? And it's it's just ridiculous because he's just like you just need to listen to the tapes, even to her parents. Yeah, it's just like I can't really tell you. You just got to listen to him. Mm-hmm. I'm just like Tony. That ship has sailed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just say what's on the tapes <laughs> and don't take him rock climbing. <laughs> don't bring a bring a really emotional guy to a cliff. Mm-hmm. That seems like really bad ideas. Um, but Tony just isn't developed enough. as like a character. Like you were saying, he's just this guy who delivers the tapes and just tells people to keep listening to the tapes or I will end you. Yeah. He doesn't say that, but it's just like, what does he do if they don't listen? <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. But
1: it's all neither here nor there is just like, the dramatic arc of the show, like, ends up needing that Phil stuff in, like, the stuff with her family, the stuff with Clay's family, even, mm-hmm. and his um, overprotective mom, but way too lax dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's fine, honey. I'm just going to keep talking about my college English classes.
0: Like, <laughs> like, maybe you're right. Maybe there is something wrong. It's like, well, doy. <laughs> good morning. I'm glad you've woken up. Uh, yeah yeah. how do you think they pulled off how how do you think they did on Clay's tape and the fact that he didn't do anything wrong
1: I knew that he hadn't done anything wrong as Um, did I right so like it that became an issue in watching the show was was just like I know Clay didn't do anything I know you're not going to change it because you don't want to compromise your protagonist like this so I'm just going to wait for I guess 11 episodes (laughs) to find out that he didn't do anything but the thing is like i don't think that he didn't do anything in so far as he's just oblivious Mm -hmm. and he's he's he doesn't understand what's happening and he's he doesn't he doesn't have social cues um and he doesn't see signs basically yeah and that is a kind of neglect it's a it's a very indirect unintentional sort of neglect but he doesn't contribute. He contributes insofar as he's just not aware and tuned in. Yeah. But it's not a malicious sort of thing or it, by any stretch of the imagination. So I mean, I it's think a that's, cheat.
0: Does it bother you?
1: I don't think it's a... I, I, I didn't think it was a cheat, no. Oh, um, that's interesting.
0: I totally think it's... I mean, like I think well, it, they work surprisingly well on the show. Yeah. But, like, here are these all these people who did these things that, that caused me to kill myself. He didn't do anything. And the inaction, I guess, is, like, the idea, but, and in, 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 in even she says, no, really, this tape is much more about me mm-hmm. than it's not really about you. Um, right. But, you know, you're the protagonist, and we don't want to have you actually have done anything too bad, because we like you, and right. you're the protagonist, but we want there to be a reason that you're listening to these tapes, and because you're on them, and, like, like, <sighs> I don't know, like, academically, like, as I, as I watch it, I'm like, okay, but this betrays your conceit, and this really, you know, like everybody's complicit except for the good, the nice guy protagonist, but I think that they on the show they did a good job and especially by selling his inability, like, again, this this false um, or untrustworthy narrator where she thinks he did nothing wrong and he completely disagrees. I think they really sold that with especially Dylan with his performance in that Um, Mm -hmm. because like when he's saying, I shouldn't have let's like, so you should have this, you should have, like, not listened to her not done what she wanted and traumatized her further is what you should have. You know, like, I, th- I thought that they actually sold that surprisingly well. Because when I found out that he ha- actually hasn't done anything um, wrong, I was like, oh, well, that's a cop out. So I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I thought that they actually. OK, but it's interesting that we have that different take on it.
1: Yeah, no, because I mean, I see what you're saying insofar as it's just like a he really didn't do anything wrong, but you can't really tell this particular story that she's telling with that party without him being there. Yeah. And without his connection to explain what happens at that party is really necessary. Yeah. Um, Which is why he's there. Um, But also, like, is... I think it's significant insofar as... Well, I was about to say it's significant, but it's wrong because the order of the tapes is incorrect. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like if bryce's tape hadn't been after his yeah then it's reasonable to assume that clay would have done exactly what he does in the last episode with um derrick luke's character yeah Derek luke Derek luke's character and giving him the tapes and saying buddy <laughs> yeah uh disconnect here type of thing mm-hmm. but because bryce's care bryce's tape comes next and bryce is never ever going to hear these tapes because he's bryce yeah um, is is it feels a little weird structurally, but yeah, I I, th- I think the show makes Clay negligent, but not complicit.
0: Yeah, I so
1: agree. yeah,
0: yeah, and I and
1: I but I don't think Hannah sees him that way necessarily.
0: Yeah, I I certainly got much more connected with Hannah and with Clay the as we got further in because I I, for, I think for me they were waiting too long to they're holding back on certain of the dynamics and relations like they didn't want us to have a sense of how close those two actually were and like so like they they there are too many things for me that they were like teasing and okay but well, by the time you get to episode eight you're really gonna it's like come on if we weren't doing this on the podcast i definitely would not have watched past episode four like i don't know if sure. i would have gotten to episode four episode four is what it turned around for me like you don't get it's that's great if they watch until episode eight but like right but um, you shouldn't have to watch
1: it until episode eight. Yeah.
0: And, and, especially, go ahead.
1: Go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, especially again in a show that's as narrative redundant as this one is.
0: Yeah. Um, what do you think about, uh, about, about the, the, like the extra stuff, I guess, f- compared to the book, we haven't read the book, but like all the stuff they added in with the school board and the parents. Like, I really like the stuff we got with the parents. Yes, that was terrific. Uh, I don't. We didn't need the school board stuff, as far as I was concerned. But I did like the little glimpses we got of the teachers, because that, like, I like that they do show even just as like in part of the kids' world. This would really affect those teachers too,
1: right? And I, I think that's a really good point. Is that Stephen Weber popping up to complain about the school board on a lawsuit. Well, as much as I love Stephen Weber, that is a waste of Stephen Weber. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, that that stuff never really materializes until too close to the end of the season to matter, which timeline wise makes sense, mm-hmm. but narratively, dramatically, just is like really frustrating to just go. Okay, again, we're waiting until episode eight for the trains to come in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I, like I sort of said at the top, like having the parents come in and, but also having the teachers as like part of this in a couple of ways, especially like um, Kiko Gina's uh, communications teacher, ironically um, uh, weaving in and out and being kind of pivotal to a number of things inadvertently because of the setup of her classroom. Um, I think is really good, but also to your point, like this is something that would have disrupted the school in any number of ways and I like that. That's an element of the show, um, and it provides it provides some sense of tension to everyone's circular conversations about what to do about Clay. Yeah. Um. In that there's this thing that they have to deal with, but they don't know how to deal with it until again, like episode six or seven, when they have frame him for having pot in his bag. Yeah. Um. As if that would stop him from going to the school. At well, some and,
0: point? and seriously, was <laughs> like, um, why don't you fingerprint it? Right, I didn't. That touch was my it. thing.
1: I didn't touch it. Just like I did not touch this. Dusted
0: for Prince. Like his yeah. mom's a lawyer. Come on.
1: Yeah. Right. I had the exact same thought, and but I also watched these episodes like a week before they came. Most yeah. of these episodes a week before they came out. Yeah. So I was just. It's been like, oh, yeah, like well half a month. But no, I had that exact same thought. I was just like, this doesn't hold up exactly. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of so, plan
0: that I can see those people thinking was brilliant
1: right and they like, do think it's brilliant yeah. they think it's a great plan <laughs> and it's just like you're the president of the student council you're not the sharpest you're not the sharpest tool in the shed there a uh, guy whose name i can't remember marcus marcus i want to say it's marcus yeah um yeah it's marcus um so yeah 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 it's marcus because zach comes next and zach's the sensitive idiot um
0: that's the one we're supposed to like except that he has the exact same entitled bullshit as marcus so right. like why is it like you more because you didn't i guess because you didn't physically assault her instead right. you just you know like emotionally emotionally abused, abused her, abused her. <laughs> right
1: yay yay uh so no but I, i i just go back to the fact that kate walsh is just really really good Mm -hmm. and just burrows in really deep to this grief but not in like a really showy flashy sort of way that would have been really easy to do with this kind of a role uh so instead she's just she allows like costuming and makeup to do a good deal of that what otherwise would have been done for acting to handle a lot of that Mm -hmm. and then just like goes really good on just dealing with this kind of whiplash of grief that happens that feels very believable and very distinct but it's also like i really feel like the best i've seen her in a while um and again it it was it ended up being necessary um and a real relief from dealing with the keystone cops Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. The um, I really like the scenes with her and Dillaninet. I thought that they played that stuff so well. Um, I really liked um just the casting of Wilson Cruz as the lawyer. So we have a my so called life connection. I thought that was brilliant, and they don't really draw attention to it. But that's why he's there, guys. That's not <laughs> a coincidence. Um, because it's a nothing role, but you know, yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought that was really well handled. I really liked the way that they incorporated Sky and hinted at a whole other backstory, um, without over. I don't think they they I don't think they like overemphasized that too much. I thought it really worked and made sense. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and if they do a season two, I can see why they might want to. I don't think they necessarily should, but. Um, I could see, like, you could see, like, all the casting of the parents. They, like, really stack the deck with all the parents so that if they want to do a season two, they have a lot of really good actors to work with. Um, Which I thought was funny. But, yeah, I I liked the way that they handled the introduction of that character, like, throughout the season. And have the lesson he learns sort of be, there's somebody else right in front of your face who's in a lot of trouble, who's having a really hard time. Learn from this and reach
1: out to them. But also recognize the fact that you're having a hard time as well. Yeah. Is, I think, really significant as well as how he frames coming up to her is, I'm not okay.
0: Yeah.
1: And you kind of seem not okay, too, even though I don't, he doesn't say that. And I don't yeah. think uh, it's even betrayed, like, in his performance, really. Yeah. But it's implied, I think, in a lot of their exchange, it's built up through their exchanges that this is something that they both need.
0: Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And then that this is the same thing, history repeating itself, you know. Right. Um, yeah. So I thought, I thought that was, was all very well-handed. What do you think of the various cliffhangers that we got?
1: Eh, um. Do you care? Not particularly, no. Okay. Was, I know that's a really sad thing to say about a kid shooting himself in the head um, <laughs> and missing, apparently, which also, God, that kid. Um. So, no. And I don't really necessarily care about, like, um again it's just i don't think that there needs to be a season two yeah and so this idea of there being a number of cliffhangers i just i know I, mm-hmm. I, I i don't really care and um i i i just worry about mark mark pellegrino and yeah. <laughs> showing up for three scenes yeah. um in between i guess supernatural i don't know yeah um so yeah, I just I, I I don't need another season, and I so the cliffhangers don't really like didn't really register really yeah. for me. But what did what did you think about them then?
0: Um, I I mean I I thought the like because I knew what was gonna happen before I was watching mm-hmm. it. So knowing where Alex was headed while I was watching it, um, I thought they did a really terrific job of threading that character through and you know showing where he was headed um as as soon as he's the one person so relieved to testify as soon as his father arranged it so he doesn't have to that's the straw for him um i thought that that worked uh really well um the the stuff with uh bryce being so clueless and um so uh, like just and like like the, I thought they did a good job of having like a genuine like hey buddy why aren't you talking to me because like he just doesn't understand like there's no connection in his brain of you know this thing, <laughs> this thing you did is horrific and obviously I never want to see you again um I thought that 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 worked uh really well and like this idea that if they wanted to make a season of will Bryce get off you know they could mm-hmm. I I don't want to see that
1: No, because that story just isn't. That story just doesn't go well.
0: No, well, it's like, and and I do think they would be able to probably throw out the tape. Would be the thing, but I did like the craft, which with which they have the tape, like, the questions and, like, the, the way that that is structured. So he doesn't mm-hmm. just, like, get close. He gets him to say very distinct things, like, over and over right. again. I liked that they didn't go, like, aha, I've got the smoking gun. And then if there's right. a season two, they'd be like, but he didn't actually say anything, and we have a lot of money, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I appreciated that. Um, I also liked that they throw the metaphorical book at Mr. Porter by making us hate him um by the end um i i appreciate that they didn't go out of their way to make him su- super sympathetic other than i guess giving him a wife and a baby but like like they having the tape of his conversation with hannah and like no you did a really shitty job here all this yeah. like i appreciated that and um yeah i guess i you know like it felt i liked that it didn't feel quite as tidy
1: Mm-hmm. As which is it, why there doesn't need to be a season two.
0: Oh, yeah. I absolutely agree. There doesn't need to be a yeah. season two.
1: Um, I know. Yeah. But I'm yeah. just saying, like, the lack of tidiness is a selling point.
0: Yeah. 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 Though, you know, then we'll never know what happens as they drive that beautiful cherry red car into the sunset.
1: <laughs> <laughs> who was in the back seat with them? Because I think I missed that.
0: It was, was Tony's boyfriend. Tony's
1: boyfriend. Okay. I thought that's and who Sky, it was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Skye isn't back there, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that makes sense. But no, I don't really. God, why are they going off into the sunset? <laughs> They're not, but it's, like, the middle of the day, but still.
0: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Any final thoughts? Any other little moments you wanted to mention?
1: Mm. No, I can't think of any that really stand out. Um, Apart from, I mean, we didn't really discuss, I mean, we discussed, like, broadly, Mm. allude to it, but just their refusal to disengage from two rapes and yeah. a suicide is really impressive. Um, yeah. Like, especially for a show that feels very much like it's filling a programming niche that Netflix needs to fill in terms of appealing to a certain demographic mm-hmm. um, to woo them back from the YouTubes. <laughs> and, um, but it, it trusts them enough to go, all right, well, we're going to put the parental advisory warning which is a weird thing to experience on a Netflix show. Yeah. But we're going to put that on there, but we're going to trust you as people to yeah. understand this, but this is very much, a, it's adapted from a YA no- novel and it just, it doesn't shy away from that in terms of even like uh, Hannah's rape is like aggressively brutal in yeah. its simplicity almost. Yeah. And it's really well staged. And, um, Hey, Catherine Hey Lane. Game
0: of Thrones. <laughs> This is how you do it if you're going to do it. <laughs> you don't cut away to reaction shots from dudes who are sad.
1: Yeah, no. Catherine Langford is just incredible in that scene. And um, it ends up just her being having to act to the camera. And mm-hmm. not not even act to the camera. Not act. Yeah. Um, as She just, like, has to display shutting down. Yeah. And that's just really potent. Mm-hmm. And it it's... It's a good contrast versus what she does during the suicide, which is understandably uh, visceral in a more aggressive way. Given yeah. how that slitting your wrists isn't a pleasant experience, I have to imagine. Yeah, and so her performance there is a little is bigger uh, by comparison, but it 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 all works together mm-hmm. as like a traumatic unit, yeah. and I, it's just. It. I don't want that to get lost in, like, oh, God, a, a circular conversation about what to do with Clay, or just the fact that this needed to be, like, eight episodes long, mm-hmm. is that it's really powerful, especially, again, I hate saying right at the end, but it builds up really nicely. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really, I, I, I don't want to undersell that.
0: Yeah. And if you are like me and you watch the beginning and, well, you've been spoiled a bunch, but. Whatever. Yeah. If, if you yeah sorry about that. Uh, and it doesn't connect with you. It probably will. If, it, if you stick with it. And you might yeah. have to like. Take a few like. S- space out the first. Handful right. of them. T- until you find a point where you connect in. But. Yeah. It really does build very potently by, you know, like it speeds up the intensity in a, you know, they they even say like things are going to start happening quickly now. It's like, like, okay, so you're going to let off the
1: brakes is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And this is not a show to like marathon, as I found out.
0: Oh, see, I did. I watched. Uh, I yeah. marathoned it because I yeah. had to, right? Because <laughs> our recording deadlines. Um, and I thought actually those the back half I was able to do that pretty easily. I struggled with the right. beginning, right?
1: When I wasn't connecting to it, but sure,
0: I could easily like you were saying, like space them out because it's really intense. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's I was how I was, that. It. I, how I was
1: feeling about. I is how I was feeling about. It's just like especially, but also like I was. Again, like, I was getting really hung up on their conversations, and I was just like, I can't listen to this for the third episode in a row. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I'm going to kill all of you. There's, uh, yeah,
0: there's too much. Uh, yeah, definitely too much repetition. Um, a couple little moments I want to give a shout out to. Uh, yeah. I love uh, Clay trying to decide, if like, thinking he should give the tapes to Hannah's mom. And she's like, you did it. And she, like, strangles him.
1: <laughs> That's little, so like, it's so bizarre and funny, but it's yeah. It's really good.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I also really like just that little moment of Tony messing with Clay. He's like, you know I'm gay, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. No. <laughs> and it'd be like, yeah, he's upset because I was spending all my time with another guy. He's like, yeah, but just like friendship wise. He's like, not like romantic. And he's like, sure. I just, yeah. I just, I just love Tony messing with him. I <laughs> just feel like, dude, you're such an idiot. Such a clear and obvious idiot. Um, so yeah, though Tony has his problems as a character, but uh, but that was still, still a fun little moment. Uh, any other performances you want to single out?
1: No, I think, I think I'm all set. It's a pretty yeah. deep ensemble. It's isn't? a really, it's a, it's a surprisingly deep ensemble. Um, yeah. Though I feel like we should mention the fact, that, and I know a friend of the show, Mo Ryan, had this problem. Mm-hmm. All the tattoos these kids have. I know, right? (laughs) All of the tattoos. tattoos. So many tattoos and not being eighteen. Yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah very permissive parents in the world of, yeah. of 13 Reasons Why <laughs> well that will wrap up our discussion of the hopefully only season of 13 Reasons Why uh, a few show notes here at the end of the episode you can find a post for this episode up at the televerse.org the website for the podcast you can also email us the televerse at gmail.com you can like the page on Facebook start a co- start up a conversation there you can find us on iTunes with an m4a chaptered feed and an mp3 unchaptered feed and we're also in Stitcher where you can rate and review us in both places and then we're both on Twitter I at the televerse and noel you are
1: at noel rk you can find kate's writing a veep over at the av club and you can find, you find
0: noel's write up <laughs> of the good fight finale over at tvguide.com and when, when when do when does uh, a flash come back
1: uh end of the month like 25th 20...
0: so soon soon yeah. you can find uh, noel's yep. writing about the flash um so that will wrap up our episode thank you noel as ever it's been a pleasure Yay! Yay, go team! And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.